0: well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at luckylandsslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. Um, all three people besides me. <laughs> well, folks, uh, it's Saturday night really Saturday evening is really, really good weather, sunny out today, so I understand everybody's barbecuing and having a beer and whatnot and hanging out with the families. Um, but anyway, these shows are recorded. Um, they're, all the programs are downloadable, and uh, uh, make sure you get signed in um, uh, on the Talk Shoe website, Pro Se Winners. You can subscribe to the show, that way you get regular email announcements, or you can send me um, an email to my personal emails. Um, uh, let me post. Uh, Let me post my emails up there, too. I forgot to do that. You guys can send me an email, and then I'll add you to my to list. I have a show Friday nights from 5 to 7 p.m., CPS Exposed, um, because I'm currently going through a battle against the CPS division of DSHS, and then Saturday nights um, doing this show, Pro Se Winners. The the CPS show I do all by myself. Um, I've done the last couple episodes of this show by myself, but I'm going to start having, like, Kurt Reagan and Lloyd Smith and uh, Jeff Smith and hopefully Howard Beale. Your um, uh, regular speakers uh, soon, but there's my email. RCW folks is the, the abbreviation for Revised Code of Washington, and I'm the Code Buster, kind of like the Ghostbuster, but there's no S on the ant um, RCW Code Buster at AOL.com, Yahoo.com, and Gmail.com, and there's my websites, the links to them. CPSExposed.com. It kind of looks like CP exposed because <laughs> that's probably what the judges and the social workers are doing. Um, then also lewisewing.com, spelled L-U-I-S-E-W-I-N-G, lewisewing.com, and ultimateusers.com, like ultimate fighting, but instead it's ultimate users with a S on the end. You will see a picture of the White House covered with marijuana plants. And that's what we need a bunch of people to do, fly to Washington, D.C., uh, and just uh, poke marijuana seeds in the grass everywhere they go, you know. Then... The cities will never be able to afford to keep up uh, um, trying to hire crews to go around and rip out and tear out all the marijuana plants. And that's all we've got to do to end the war on drugs, folks, is become Johnny Appleseed and find everybody that, you know, it's a marijuana grower or drug dealer or whatnot, get their seeds, get them by the hundreds and plant them in every parking strip, at every grocery store, in front of every courthouse, around every courthouse, you know, and uh, just make it so that. Marijuana is just like an abundant weed that grows everywhere, and you know it's it's a gift from God. And the Bible says, "Eat the seed, which is the meat." And uh, there's a lot of people that think the burning bush in the Bible could be a marijuana plant. Who knows? But uh, anyway, I'm posting uh, uh, links to my flyers and whatnot. And also, I recently be on an all-day live cable TV program with uh, Will Wilson at SeattleCommunityMedia.org. And I poked it on the board, but tonight, um, I'm going to go over, uh, let's see, common carriers. um, This is a brief I started probably about 12, 13 years ago. Common carriers. um, We'll start out with, uh, God, I can't stand this. I can't read Roman numerals. I need to put a big chart up in my room uh, here in my office. Article XII corporations other than municipal section 13 common carriers folks this is the phony rcw constitution section 13 common carriers regulation of all railroad canal and other transportation companies are declared to be common carriers and subject to legislative control any association or corporation organized for the purpose under the laws of this state shall have the right to connect at the state line with railroads of other states Every railroad company shall have the right with its road, whether the same be now constructed or may hereafter be constructed, to intersect, cross, or connect with any other railroad. And when such railroads are of the same or similar gauge, they show at all crossings and at all points where a railroad shall begin or terminate at or near any other railroad. Form proper connections so that the cars of any such railroad companies may be speedily transferred from one railroad to another. All railroad companies shall receive and transport each to other's passengers, tonnage, and cars without delay or discrimination. Well, I'll tell you something, folks. Uh, uh, Lloyd's done a lot of research in this area, too, along with Kurt Riggin. David Maryland done research in this area, and I've done research in this area. Um, the railroads at one point originally purchased and land patented every cross section of land. Okay, what they used to call the Oregon Trail. Okay, we have the right to travel the constitutional right to travel, whether it's by horse, buggy, car, whatever, we do not have to go to the state and ask for a license, which is permission. Oh, please, Miss State of Washington, please give me permission to travel. No, we don't have to do that. The states only have authority to regulate interstate commerce and intrastate commerce. But if you're not involved in commerce, they have no authority to regulate you. Well, here's the trick. They have tricked everybody into licensing their car as a PAS-class registered vehicle. This is something we all need to complain about under the doctrine of estoppel and lack of full disclosure, okay? Um, They did not disclose to us that when they were selling us tabs that we were licensing our car as a passenger-class business machine. And they did not inform us that... When we were paying an excise tax, they didn't tell us what an excise tax was. Well, this is also people's fault for just paying the money. Everybody's just saying, "Ah, oh, it's too much trouble. I don't want to read all this. I don't want to fight all this. Oh, I, I just want to watch Scooby-Doo and Final Four basketball. I don't want to know all this. You know, so just pay. Be good little slaves and pay. You know, how much more can all of you take? They raise the price without your vote. They put cameras up at the intersection without your vote. You're getting tickets in the mail, and you didn't vote for that, did you? Vote your local elected representative to represent you, your city councilmen, and give them authority to spend taxpayers' dollars to put cameras up there to take your picture running right through a red light. And next thing you know, you got a ticket in the mail that says you have to pay this amount of money by X amount of you know, by X date. If you don't pay by this certain time, we're going to suspend your driver's license or privilege to drive. And you know, you got bills to pay. You got rent. Uh, you got electric, you got gas, heat, water, electric you know, garbage, utility bills, you got children to feed. You can't afford these tickets. None of us can. Did we give them permission to put red light cameras up there? No, we didn't. Okay? This is the problem. These so called elected representatives are not representing our best interest. They're representing their best interest. They're getting in there and voting that these people are incompetents, they're morons, they're dumb fucks, okay? The reason why attorneys go into the prosecutor's office and the public defender's office and become judges is because they're dummies, they're dumb fucks. They're incompetents, okay? These people went to law school with the idea that they're going to become a rich, hotshot attorney. Well, they found out they weren't very smart. No law firm will hire them because they're too stupid. They... They either have poor oral arguments, poor oral skills, they get stage fright, they get scared of the judge, Uh, they forget their lines. For whatever reason, they're a failure. So what do they do? They go apply for a job as a public pretender. They don't win their cases. The prosecutors dump more cases on them than they can handle on purpose. And then they train them to just be their messenger boy. That's what the public pretender is. Okay, they're just the prosecutor's bitch, they're the prosecutor's messenger boy. Uh, they just tell them, just get them to plea bargain. Okay, just get them to plea bargain. The public defenders are plea bargaining 95 to 98 percent of their cases, if not 100 percent of their cases. Okay, folks, does pleading guilty sound like a bargain? Okay, so the prosecutors are encouraging the public defenders to get everybody to plead guilty. Just shear the sheep, rush the cattle through the human dogs, the human swine, the pig. You know, the cattle. You're, you're the goyim, the non-Jew, the goyim. 700 slaves for every Jew. Go read the seven Jewish Noahide laws. Look it up. The seven Jewish Noahide laws. You're going to be one of the 700 slaves for every Jew. Okay? That's that's what it's all about. It's about them making money at our expense. It's about them ripping us it off. It has nothing to do with safety. You've seen all the, the big accident recently and a few weeks ago? <laughs> the judge was telling me in open court, Mr. Ewing, The reason why we're going to have the cops, you know, be giving you tickets is to encourage you to get get a driver's license. I said, well, Your Honor, that's never going to happen. Then he started going on and on about this accident. There was this huge accident where a car flipped over, landed upside down on top of another car or something. I go, yeah, Your Honor. And every single one of those drivers in that great big huge collision were licensed drivers. So by your own words, that's proof that a driver's license has nothing to do with safety. This is Judge Stephen Hyde in the Grace Harbor County District Court, number two in Aberdeen. He got this big smile on his face because he knew I had his ass on that one. And he smiled and goes, well, you're absolutely correct, Mr. Ewing. <laughs> you know, it, it's all about a scam, folks. We, the excise, the tabs, here's the trick. The tabs is the evidence of the receipt of the excise tax paid, okay? That's the code signal to the cop that you are – I've registered your car as a passenger-class carrying vehicle, okay? That's the trick. Now, if you've licensed your car as a passenger-class carrying vehicle, you are now technically required to have that commercial driver's license to drive that car, okay? But there's a lack of full disclosure here. They didn't inform you of that. So under the doctrine of estoppel, they were supposed to inform you that. They had a duty to speak, but they remained silent, and that's fraud. Not gonna go over to Estoppel too much on this show, um, but uh next week I will I'll go over on, on stoppel and tell you the, the significance of this. But here's here's what we need to do, folks. We need to study the registration. If you guys look up a case called Spokane versus Port, I mentioned it in the previous show. That's the case that all the prosecutors misquote. And they tried doing that one on uh Lloyd and me uh, a month or two ago, and uh I said, well, Your Honor, Spokane versus Port did not hold that driving is a privilege. Spokane versus Port is a drunk driver case, okay, and it misquotes another case called Evergreen District Court versus Jucket. If you folks look that up, Evergreen District Court versus Jucket, you cannot, the the holding, and I told this to the judge, Your Honor, the holding of that case was not driving as a privilege either. I read the whole case, and the closest I could find those words together is a bunch of words that were omitted, Okay, so you prosecutors are misquoting dict out of context. You know, technically that would be perjury, but none of your prosecutors are under oath, and you're not under oath, Your Honor. So uh, you guys are lying to the public. You're giving false legal advice. Okay, that's practicing law from the bench. You can't do that. Okay, Evergreen Justice Court versus Junkett says, The driver takes the wheel, does so with the knowledge that the use of the license is the privilege, and therefore has consented to take the breathalyzer. That's right, folks. When you go look up the alcohol statutes, and I don't know if they changed it in recent years, uh, but in Federal Way, uh, I got pulled over in Federal Way about 12, 13 years ago, and I had four cops uh, in Federal Way um, right there at that main exit at 372nd by the main shopping mall there, and I had four cops all with their lights going, and then they had their supervisor come, uh, Lieutenant Sumner from Federal Way. Uh, the Federal Way Police Department. And he goes, well, I've never done this before, but I'm going to unarrest you. He says, But do me a favor. Uh, can you just wait till my guys leave before you drive away? They're just too upset that I'm letting you go. <laughs> this is pretty funny. Uh, this is a joke, folks. We are being scammed, okay? These people are ripping us off under the color of no law, okay? So. We've got to start studying what the hell is going on here. You know, what, how are they getting away with this? Well, it's basically who writes these so-called laws. We have the legislature allegedly passing laws. Well, at the end of the legislative session, a group of bar attorneys come from the code revisers' office. They walk over to the, legislator, the legislative building and say, okay, children, you had fun pretending to pass a law. Now give us those law books. And they gather up all the session laws, Senate bills, and House bills. And they go back uh, into the code revisor's office, and they shut the door behind them, and they lock the door behind them. And these people tinker with the code. They add things to the statutes that weren't there. They take things out of the statutes that were supposed to be there. They put ends in place of ors and ors in place of ends, and they put commas where they shouldn't be. Uh, They take out complete sentences. They add complete sentences they screw around with the court so much. So this is why RCW 1.04.010 and 0.20. If you can go look up Chapter One of the RCWs, there's one statute that says uh, the RCW is only prima facie evidence of the law. Prima facie means that at first glance it appears to be it's a rebuttable presumption. So how do you rebut? How do you rebut and show that the RCW is not the law? Well, the way to do that is to go down to the archives in Olympia, Washington, and get certified copies of the statutes. Okay, um, the statutes under Chapter 5.44 RCW, um, you'll find a statute that says any document that has the seal uh, uh, of the notary shall be admitted into evidence. You'll find another statute in the same chapter that says any, any uh, uh, document that has uh, the seal of the custodian of records. That could be the archives, it could be the department of licensing, it could be the state patrol. Um, any document that has a seal of the custodian of records on it shall be admitted in evidence. Then you'll find a separate one for the district courts, the municipal courts, the superior courts, and even the supreme court. So if you get a certified copy of the docket from the court clerk uh, of any document in the file and you get the seal of the court on it, that now can become a self authenticating document. Okay, and uh, I did something uh, about 10 years ago in the Pierce County Court. That made a twenty-five thousand dollar judgment go away. Guy paid me five grand to do it. Okay. Uh, guy named Jonathan Tuck. Uh, his kid, for whatever reason, um, went to Echo Glen for thirty-six weeks. Okay. Found guilty of whatever crimes. This was before they found me. And uh, well, the state was trying to stick him for uh, twenty-five thousand dollars for having to house and clothe and feed his son, who was a bad little boy and did things he wasn't supposed to do. And for that 36 weeks vacation, and this guy was a city truck driver for the city of Tacoma, and they wanted, to, they were starting to garnish his paycheck. So, I did something unique with uh, the money argument, and uh, I got certified copies of the judges' oath of office for Pierce County, all of them. Because of that, every single Pierce County Superior Court judge recused themselves. Then they brought in the visiting judge from Kitsap County, Leonard, Leonard Costello. You know, kind of like Abbott and Costello. These guys are a bunch of jokers. And uh, I did the same thing to him, and he ended up recusing himself. An attorney was trying to hit him for freeze. This Bruce Heslop guy, uh, former city of Tacoma judge that I believe um, got fired uh, because of something Kurt Rigan did in the, um, the municipal court of Tacoma. Um, this Bruce Heslop guy, and he was all pissed off. His law firm partner uh, was representing him, and he, when I served, it was funny, I went down to the court clerk, and I had a new document at the morning of the hearing, and I asked him, I just filed this motion, how long will it take to get upstairs, and she says, oh, when you file this here, it won't get to the court for, for at least two days, and I said, well, can I get certified copies of this because I need to serve this uh, on the court now and I need them to have proof that I filed it. They go, oh, okay, yeah, we'll certify it. They gave me four certified copies. Then I took my – when they handed it back to me, and they had a big gold seal of the certification on it, I took a blue ink pen, signed each of those four certified documents again, threw one in her basket, took their file stamp, went stamp, 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 and she goes, well, you just filed that. Why are you refiling it? I said, well, you said that document wouldn't get upstairs for two days, And I've got a hearing in ten minutes, and that's why I purchased certified copies from you, so they would know that I filed it. Okay, but I didn't file the certified copies yet, so that's why I threw one of the certifies in your basket, and I took your stamp, and I stamped my three certified copies. That way, they'll know that I really did file it, and I didn't make this up. And I go, oh, that's a really good idea. So I go up to the court uh, clerk, uh, go up to the uh, court uh, um, uh, for the hearing. And this, this room's full of attorneys that were collecting their, their judgments and whatnot, uh, collecting their attorney fees. And uh, anyway, I, I serve a copy on the attorney, uh, and the, the, the attorney general for the state of Washington was there, and also this guy's attorney that represented him was trying to collect his attorney fees, and I screwed the attorney out of his fees also. And this Bruce Heslip guy, was all, they started snickering at my document, and my, my friend, uh, Jonathan Tuck, He goes, well, they're laughing at the document. I said, well, wait till they turn the page. Okay. They turn the page, and I had case law that said the Constitution is a contract and binding upon all those those members who swear to uphold it. Now, although it's talking about a union case and whatnot, right after that case, I put down the RCWs that says uh, the attorney's oath. I had to put the RCWs for the municipal court judge's oath. I had the RCWs for the superior court judge's oath. And then I had a cited a case called Byrd versus Usman. They can't read anything into the contract that's not there. They have to read the contract as written. Okay, so I put in there the court had no authority to enforce a judgment in anything other than a legal tender, which by eighteen ninety eight Supreme Court decision of the Washington Territory, Dennis versus Moses, citing Woodruff versus Mississippi, the leading gold and silver tenders case, citing Article One, Section Ten, of the U.S. Constitution. says no state shall make anything but gold and silver tender of payment. And so I go up to the front of the courtroom after I handed the attorney his copy, handed the court clerk, and I said, the court clerk downstairs said this wouldn't get up here for two days, but I got her to sell me this certified copy, uh, um, and could you please take this back to the judge? And she goes, oh, okay, I'll be right back. She came back ten minutes later, and Uh she goes, the visiting judge Leonard Costello um, is recusing you from this case, and uh, this courtroom is not going to start until Mr. Ewing leaves. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's fine. We didn't care that he was recusing himself from the case. That means the hearing was was uh, kiboshed. And so me and Jonathan Tuck get up to leave. And this Heslop guy in the middle of court, Ronald Heslop, uh, uh, um, the former uh, Tukwila municipal court judge, or no, Fifi, I think it was a. Uh, uh, Tukwila or the City of Fife, the City of Fife Municipal Court Judge, and then he became the Lakewood Municipal Judge, and then Kurt got him fired from the Lake- City of Lakewood Municipal Court, and uh, this Hessler guy started screaming, you're not an attorney, you're practicing law, you can't practice law, and he's out in the hallway screaming at the top of his lungs, the sheriff's came running down the hallway in the Pierce County uh, uh, Courthouse in downtown Tacoma, what's going on, what's going on, I said, well, this attorney is screaming at me, I can't practice law. and Well, well, he's right. I don't practice law. I do the law. He's the one who practices law because he hasn't learned how yet. He goes, oh, you're very funny, Mr. Ewing. I said, well, why are you screaming asking what this is all about if you already know what my name is? Anyway, so we left the building. The judgment went away. Um, that judgment, even though they got the judgment and they've never dismissed the case, Okay, sometimes things die on the vine. You don't get a win. You don't get a loss. But that judgment that they had against him for 25000 plus interest plus all the attorney fees is like a rubber check bouncing up and down on their desk, and they don't know what the hell to do with it. <laughs> They'll never be able to collect, that's for sure. But back to what I'm talking about on this stuff with the traffic crap, what we need to do is bring forth certified copies. Uh, my point being a certified copy uh, of the – I took the judge's oath of office and certified copies of the money statutes and the certified copies of the constitution file those things into the court both become a self-authenticating document under evidence rule 902 and i submitted them to the court as offers of proof pursuant to evidence rule 103 i also cited mandatory judicial notice rule 201 in my document with washington state case law that says any document that has uh the seal of the court or whatever you know shall be admitted into evidence and i created a document that is so hot, pretty much, uh, I've got a system, folks, where I don't care what kind of problem you got, an IRS case or whatever, and this is something uh, I charge quite a bit of money for. Uh, when judges, when people can't get things into evidence and the judge says, I'm not going to allow that in evidence, I have a method for forcing them to put it into the evidence. and They have no choice. I've had judges in open court rules. Let me see that. I'll decide what goes in the evidence. They read my document. And you could, you could hear their, their buttholes pucker across the courtroom. And it's not a pretty sound, okay? Uh, then the judges say, well, uh, uh, I'm going to allow it this time. Yeah, bullshit, okay? Uh, when you cite, folks, when you cite the right rules of evidence, okay, the right court rules, the right statutes, the right case law, and you have a notary seal on the front page of your document, okay, and I file that in the court and get them to sell me three, four certified copies back out that has a seal of the court on it, I throw one certified copy back into their basket, and I grab their file stamp, 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 on my certified copies with the seal of the court on it. That document is now a self-authenticating document. They cannot keep it out of evidence. The statutes, the court rules, and the case law says that document shall be admitted into evidence. And because of that, Pierce County has now proved that they're a bunch of criminals. They've illegally changed their certification policy. See, what they used to do is they used to type up a little short little statement, like a half-page or even a one-page certification like most courts would do, and they would state what the document is and claim this is a true and correct certified copy of what's in their file, and it would go on the front, on top of your document. That way, you would be able to make copies of it and refile the same thing without having to spend a lot of money. What proves that the, the attorneys in Pierce County, the prosecutors and the judges, are criminally corrupt is the way they change their policy. When you try to get a certified copy of a document now, they'll take your money, rip you off, they'll flip your document over to the very back, on the back page of your of your document, where it's probably a blank white piece of paper, and they put, I certify this is a true or correct copy in the file. Of what? Well it's a certified copy of that document, but it's but it's it doesn't state what the document is that it's certifying. It just says that we certify this is a true and correct copy of the document on file, and it's on a blank white piece of paper on the very back page of your last of your document. Okay, because they didn't want you to be able to um, put their certified seal on the front page so that it would be noticeable and it would be required by the judge to uh, be placed in the evidence or by noticed by the court clerk that it would be have a self-identifying seal because it's no longer on the front page. Can't see it. It's hidden. So you're paying for a certification of nothing so anyway i've worked ways around that but we need to bring forth certified copies of statutes and show the court what they're doing here um, the registration i'm going to read you guys the folks uh, the state case is um, Treffery versus taylor now if you folks want to look up the registration really uh, Spokane versus Port cites a case called Henderson versus Maryland. Uh, I'll, I'll pull the case later and, and cite it on the board. But let me read you the case quote from Treffery versus Taylor, and I'll go ahead and post this on the board. If we put Treffery versus Taylor with Spokane versus Port and Henderson versus Maryland together, these three cases will clearly show that hey. I'm not required to register my vehicle. I'm not required to pay tabs. See, Tim Iman made the wrong argument. We should not be paying $30 for tabs. We should be paying 0 dollars $0 for tabs. Okay, we're, we're being we're being ripped off. Okay, so Treffy versus Taylor. I'm posting that on board. Treffy versus Taylor, 67 Washington Second, page forty seven. and those are all the pages cited. 491, 92, 83. I didn't need to do that. This was long. T- I, this was something I, I did a long time ago. Uh, I don't know fifteen years ago now you would just uh, cite like forty seven through you know five o five if you're I was doing quotes i got i have this huge long quote um, that actually had uh pieces uh, of quotes from every this is a really long case um so i had each each page of the public decision had important statements and I put um like three dots between the quotes, but let me read you why Treasury versus Taylor is important. The crucial words in the question title are contractors, registration, and penalties. Are these words sufficient notice of the object of the fact so as, to, as reasonably to lead a further inquiry into context of the act? If so, the title needs to test of sufficiency. Upon reading the title to this act, a contractor engaged in the business of Washington would be led to inquire whether his business was within the purview of the regulatory measure. See folks, it's all about business. It's all about commerce, commercial activity. That's what the license the registration of your car is, the passenger class registration of your vehicle. The first section of the act would give him the answer. If his business required that he register, well you're required to register your motor vehicle, they've hired eighty IQ cops. Okay, these guys are are androids. They're 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 military rejects, jarheads, that follow orders. They give them a badge and a gun. And they say, go out there and stick them up, make money uh, uh, ripping these people off by gunpoint and giving them a ticket uh, uh, to get their money. Okay. The first section of the act would give him the answer. If his business, business required that he register, he would be required to furnish a surety bond to the state for the payment of the obligations enumerated in Section 4, Section 5, Supra, would put him on notice that a public liability and a property damage insurance policy is required. This is why they're trying to tell you you have to have insurance. But guess what, folks? Insurance uh, might be might be state policy, or you know, Lloyd knows the exact word on that. Lloyd, uh, public policy, but it's not law. Major public policy. Yeah, that's so a major
1: public policy. Therefore, they can make it seem like you're required to uh, have insurance previous to an accident if you're operating commercially. But you're not required to have it previous to an accident, and that was established in 1989. There's a case clear up in 1996 that clearly says you're not required to have insurance until after an accident of the amount reportable on an accident report. So way after 89, they're still saying you're not required to have insurance prior to the accident. But again, that's for commercial drivers. We the people just out there locomoting are not commercial drivers.
0: Locomoting or traveling.
1: Well, you may even be driving, but if you're not driving for uh, the purpose of commercial activity, even though your vehicle is registered for commercial activity, the case law, I don't remember the names of the cases like I used to, like you do, but the case law lays out that uh, it's what the use of the vehicle is, Vehicle is also a commercial term, but it's the use of the car is what denominates what the uh, fees should be and if you are a commercial. See, and so if you have a car that you're out seeking passengers for, for a fee in commerce, then you would be required to have the insurance. You'd be, re- well, yeah, actually, you're not until after the accident, even then, but you would be required to have the licensing and all the things that they require for commercial activity. But whereas we the people are just driving for pleasure or recreation, they can't require you to have the license. They can't require anything of you. We're actually immune from their ethics and the law.
0: And here's a case quote that goes good with what Lloyd was just saying. Uh, Shmo- I posted it on the chat board, folks. Shomig versus Kaiser. It's a California case. 189 Cal Reporter 596. Agency or party sitting for agency has no authority to enforce as to any licensee unless he is acting for compensation. Such an act is highly penal in nature and should not be construed to include anything which is not embraced within its terms. Where there is no charge within the complaint, no evidence to prove a charge if it were in a complaint, that the accused was employed for compensation to do the act complained of or the act constituted a part of the contract. Okay. Um so, wait, now back to the uh, the the Taylor case. Every legislative enactment requiring registration is an exercise of the legislature's police power and is by its nature regulatory of the subject matter. The word registration" is in quotation marks here, folks. registration quote encompasses all regulatory provisions which the legislature enacts in the proper exercise of its police power. We conclude that the title to Chapter 77, Laws of 1963, gave sufficient notice of the object so as to reasonably to lead us to further inquiry into the contents of the Act and thus meet the test of sufficiency. Does the Act embrace more than one subject? Number four, since the regulation is inherent in every legislative enactment requiring registration, all matters incidental and germane to registration may be written into the body of the law. In the instant case, the legislature, in the proper exercise of its discretion, has required that as a condition precedent to the issuance of a certificate of registration, the applicant is required to establish his financial responsibility. There's the insurance, folks. This requirement, although regulative in nature, is germane to the subject of registration. Number five. I'm reading from the title, uh, it refers to title headings. A legislative enactment requiring the registration of contractors is an exercise of the police power of state, citing a case called Clark versus Dwyer, Parrot and Company versus Benson, State versus Seattle taxicabs and transfer companies, there you go folks, taxicab companies, State versus Bowen. All of these cases are commercial transportation companies, private for hire companies, uh, the exercise of police power by the legislature is an attribute of sovereignty. It is an essential element of the power to govern. The only limitation upon the exercise of this sovereign power by a legislative body is that questioned enactment must reasonably tend to correct some evil or promote some public interest. Okay, the state has no public interest in me going to the park, me coasting down uh, the California highway. There's no public interest there, okay? Okay. And that it must not be violative of any positive mandate of the Constitution. Again, I read you folks, they can only regulate common carriers according to the Constitution. Clark v. Dwyer, super at 432 in cases cited. This act is the first and only time the legislature has used the words, quote, registration in the title of an act to describe regulation and licensing of an occupational business. The appendix attached to this dissent cites the 14 prior acts in their titles. As we were advised by counsel during the oral argument, the legislature has recognized the difference between the words registration and regulation by its action in a 1965 extraordinary session when legislation amending RCW 18.27.010 through 100 laws of 1963, chapter 77, was introduced in the House of Representatives, House Bill number 292, with an amended title reading as follows an act regulating to the regulation of contractors prescribing penalties and repealing Chapter 77, Laws of 1963, and RCW 18.27100. The bill was originally introduced was a reenactment of Chapter 77, Laws of 1963, with a new title in which the words registration was changed to read regulation. The House itself recognized that what the bill contemplates is not mere, quote, registration, but... Quote, regulation. This history is relevant because the legislature has, in effect, demonstrated that it recognizes that there is a significant difference in the meaning of, quote, registration and, quote, regulation to legislatures once the error is called to its attention. However, the majority opinion appears to ignore this past and present legislative history and hold that these two words are legally synonymous, although they are not synonymous according to either the dictionary or the legislative usage. I therefore feel compelled to discuss the merits of the issue of whether, quote, registration means the same thing as, quote, regulation. I am of the opinion the trial court and the respondent are correct. Theirs is the most acceptable view of the problem. For to hold that bonding and insurance are germane to registration is to hold that registration and regulation are synonymous. To me, the meaning of the two words are clearly different. Registration connotes merely a listing of contractors, or at most an official certification list. Regulation connotes requirements and controls established for the operation of a contracting business, resulting in the licensing of persons desiring to engage in that occupation upon their compliance with certain conditions. Oh, let me stop right here, folks, and explain something. Okay. Uh, uh, Lloyd and and I have researched on this, the, um, the registration. They first registered the CARs in 1905. They did not license the drivers until 1915. Originally, the registration of cars was done by the Secretary of State's office. You paid a silver dollar, and you filled out a form uh, that stated the make, model, and the color of your vehicle, and it had the name of the owner and your address. And the older case law that I've read on this says this was under the police power for the protection of the owners from having their cars stolen. You know, So this is why the, these these bozo patridiots, out there, the, the sovereign citizen, you know, the goofballs, who go to court with half-assed, half research half-cocked arguments, they rip off the state license plates, and, and these so-called sovereign citizen idiots put their own plates on the cars, they end up getting their cars towed. See, the problem is, we've trained 80 IQ cops that you have to have a, a, a license, you have to have a license plate, and you have to be registered by the state. What the dumb cops is, you know, they don't know. And this is called plausible deniability, folks. For those of you who saw the the movie Independence Day, and the president said when the guy was asking him questions, is there really aliens in Area 51? And the president looks him in the eye and straight as honest, honest to God. He said, no, there's no such thing as aliens. And then the guy behind him said, well, Mr. President, uh, yeah, there's aliens, but there's a reason why we didn't tell you. Uh, We were prepared. Uh, uh, If somebody would ask you this question, you would be able to honestly tell them there's no such thing as aliens, but uh, yeah, um, we kept that from you. There really is aliens. And the president's going, What? What? Take me to Area 51. Let me see. You know, the president wants to see the aliens. Well, this is the same problem with the cops. This is called negligent supervision. They are mistraining the cops to commit secondary perjury, they are not showing the cops the truth. The attorneys are involved in a criminal conspiracy. All state bar associations are involved in a criminal conspiracy to trick people into licensing their car as a business machine, a passenger class-carrying vehicle. You're paying an excise tax. That's a tax on a business. What the hell? That's fucking bullshit. They're charging me. That's like saying, uh, um, okay, that I have to go get a roofing license to put a roof on my house. Well, let's say I've actually been employed as a roofer for years and my roof's leaking. I'm not charging myself money. I'm spending my own money. I'm going to Home Depot and I'm buying my own roofing materials. I'll fix the roof myself. I don't need to go get a roofing license to do that. Or if I know how to do plumbing, I can do the plumbing in my own house. I don't have to get a license to do that. I can go to Home Depot and buy the plumbing parts and do my own plumbing. Same thing with electrical. Okay, let's say I'm actually a, quote, uh, licensed electrician trained in being an electrician. I can run the wiring in my own house, okay, okay? Uh, and, and do whatever I want. Now, if I want to sell the house, or something like that. And then, yeah, you could. You could, you have to pay a licensed electrician to sign off on it to make sure that your wiring is good. Otherwise, the house won't qualify for a loan. But you don't have to get a license to do your your own stuff. Your own, you know, if you want to call it private business, it's not for the state to declare that you're in a business when you're not. They cannot make you a common carrier. The state can has no authority to make you a common carrier. They have no authority to make you a private carrier. And they have no authority to make you a contract carrier. You have a state constitutional right to okay, upon the public highways. We paid for the highways. The highways belong to us. Our tax dollars paid for it. These pieces of shit, black robes on the breast, these people are wearing black Jesuit robes of treason, or like Kurt says, they're male cross-dressers because they're homos. And you know what? Judge Patrick Burns, he's been pulled over by the cops in Auburn wearing a blue dress on his off days. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the judges are getting a kick out of that one. Play it to yep. Judge Burns. Throw a fit. A couple okay. things
1: here. Uh, first off, uh, you're talking about Title 18, Washington RCW. If you go read the uh-huh. heading in that, it tells you it's commercial. So wherever they cite Title 18 and some other statute, like the driving and the licensing statute, you're talking about commercial activity.
2: Yep. And and,
1: let
0: me go uh, on with a case. I'll go on the case here. Hey, it. Building- of all statutes enacted by the legislature pertaining to licensing or regulation of various professions or businesses, show that in every single instance where the state requires bonds or insurance, the title either broadly refers to the subject matter by characterizing the subject as regulation, i.e., relating to the regulation or licensing of an area or or commerce, or specifically mentions the bond or insurance requirements. References are made. Okay. Oh. So,
1: Another thing you want to, before you get too far away from it, is explain. <coughs> excuse me, I got pneumonia and I start coughing when I talk. But uh, <coughs> when you uh, talked about uh, the driver's license, tell them more about how the license works so that the scoffers, you can overcome any scoffers out there uh, with RCW 4620 and RCW 4625 in the relation to those two.
0: Right. Uh, I'll, I'll go over that as soon as I finish uh, reading the Treffry quote. It's a long one. Reference has been made to the appendix which cites the statutes of the states regulating or licensing persons in certain businesses wherein bonds or insurance are required as prerequisites. In none of these titles of these statutes does the word registration even appear. Although a form of registration through licensing is required as a part of the system of regulation, neither the public the public nor the legislature has any warning or any way of knowing of the broad requirements and provisions of the Act when the legislature suddenly introduces the new and much narrower word, registration, rather than the broader word, such as the word, quote, regulation, that has heretofore been used. The natural inference is that the words registration, quote, and regulation, quote, cannot and should not be construed synonymously because heretofore, quote, registration has only... has been only a possible but not necessary part of the regulation. The majority attempts to equate, quote, registration with, quote, regulation. It appears to me that the majority opinion has assumed its answer to the constitutional issue by looking at the body of the act before it has determined the meaning of the title and thus has violated one of our basic rules in the application of the Constitution, Article 2, Section 19. The following quotation from the majority opinion demonstrates this misconception of our rule. Upon reading the title to this act, a contractor engaged in business in the state of Washington would be led to inquire whether his business was within the purview of the regulatory measure. The first section of the act would give him the answer. If his business required that he register, he would then reasonably seek further information from the act to determine whether he qualified for a certificate of registration. Section 4, Supra would put him on final notice that in order to qualify and be issued a certificate of registration, he would be required to furnish a surety bond to the state for the payment of his obligations enumerated in Section 4. Section 5, Supra would put him on notice that a public liability and property damage insurance policy is required. Every legislative enactment requiring registration is an exercise of the legislature's police power and is by its nature regulatory of the subject matter. The word, quote, registration encompasses all regulatory provisions which the legislature enacts in the proper exercise of its police power. In the quoted portion of its opinion, I think that the majority is an error in two respects. First, it begs the question in its first sentence and later in its second paragraph by an ipsy-dixit supported by no case authority, no examples of statutes, and no reference to... Even the common man, understanding of the word, quote, register, as reflected by modern dictionaries. Appendix to dissent. Laws requiring bonds or insurance as a requirement for engaging in business. You're going to love this, folks. Number seven, subject matter, motor vehicles. And add to Dumb State Patrol, Mr. Ewing, you're operating a motor vehicle. <laughs> Code and session, citation, Title 46, Laws of 1961, Chapter 12. Title, an act relating to vehicles providing for the regulation and licensing thereof and of persons in relation thereto. There you are, folks. You're all persons. Your corporations. your employees of a public corporation who are engaged in the business of driving motor vehicles for compensation or for hire. In this case, Trefferty v. Taylor lays it out. 67, Washington 2nd, 487, 491, November 24, 1965. So, folks, regulation and registration are not the same things. So I'm going to be working on a brief showing this. Say, hey, we need to go back to the 1905 Act. You're right. Under the police power, I can't have some bozo sovereign citizen sneaking into my driveway in the middle of the night, ripping off my state plates and put him, you know, I'm king shit, Tarzan into the jungle sovereign citizen plate on my car and getting away with stealing my car. This, folks, is the reason why they have VIN numbers on your cars. This is why they stamp the VIN numbers on your engine block, okay? And the, and the VIN number is tied to your license plate and registration. Okay, that's only worth about 5 or $10, okay? So we should be able to, for the police power to protect us from having our vehicle stolen, we should be uh, uh, all allowed to purchase a license plate, personal plate, put our name on it, whatever we want to, And put our name, our address, the make and model, color, and the year of the vehicle. And it should only cost five, ten bucks at the very most, depending how you know how much money they actually put into making a license plate. But folks, when they have presses that print out these tin plates by the by the hundreds of thousands, it only costs them pennies and a dollar to make a plate. So maybe even five dollars or ten dollars would be way too expensive to have a license plate. Okay? So there is a difference between regulation and registration. So I, I agree that we should all be allowed, not required, okay? Okay. Uh, if they want to say police power to protect us from stolen car, okay fine. Let's make it required. Everybody's required to have a license plate. That's fine. Okay, because that protects me from having my car stolen. But it shouldn't cost more than five, ten bucks at the very most. And that's a one time thing. As long as you own the vehicle, you don't have to fucking pay that same fucking fee every fucking year. It's a bullshit. These people are taxing the shit out of us and there's no basis for it. Except for the fat greedy judges, okay? Greedy prosecutors, and greedy attorneys. These people are too lazy to get a real job in the fucking real world. And they just want to find a way to fleece us out of more money. Okay? The attorneys are like leeches. They're like they're like mosquitoes that won't suck stop sucking the blood out of you. They're like the super mosquito. They've infiltrated the legislature. At least fifty percent of our state legislature is state bar attorneys, okay? They're in there like a private steering committee, adding more and more bullshit to the laws every year. The law books every year are getting bigger and bigger and more convoluted so that nobody can understand them, and that's bullshit. Laws are supposed to be easy to read, simple to read. Any citizen should be able to understand the law. You know, a guy shouldn't have to spend half his adult life like me, you know, in, in the in the goddamn library trying to figure out how to keep from being enslaved. You know, so I you know, I'm kinda like uh, Mel Gibson in the in the movie Braveheart. I want freedom. I want to be free. And you know what? I want to see everybody be free. You know, when I first met Lloyd, the thing he told me the very first day that I ever met Lloyd, he said his goal is to save his nation. And I said, man, that sounds so cool. That, that's that been my goal ever since. And so we've been working together. And we want freedom for everybody. And this is why we do what we do. And I'm the RCW code buster. I, you know, peel the statutes apart and bust it, bust it down. This is what we want to do. We want to get everybody free. And uh, I put my shade up here. I got the sun blasting right in my eye. I'm. Uh, i hey, read- Uh
1: First off, the state has not passed a law requiring us to uh, re- you know have our car recognizable if it's stolen. They do not want to do that because if they do, that puts us on notice. There's something wrong with their commercial law. See, right. So they haven't done that. So we're not required to do what you're saying. Rather, you know, it's nice if you want to do it, but you don't have to do it. There's no law requiring it. And it may be not even possible for them to pass a law to
2: well, do see, it
0: for the law uh, to be legal. But go ahead. Um, there, there is a, a statute, but like we know, the RCW is not the law. Uh, folks, okay, look at your so-called certificate of a title, Okay? Think, this is what proves that the attorneys are all liars. Okay? They're all scamming us out of our money. You think the title to your car, you have title to your car? Bullshit. You don't have title to your car. You have a piece of paper called a certificate of a title. Okay? But if you look in the big block letters or in the watermarks on the back of the document, hold your hold your certificate of a title up to the light. It's going to say right on in big block letters in in, in uh, the watermark. It says, this is not proof of ownership for official purposes only. And you'll see a part of the name of the registered owner and the name of the legal owner. Okay. Uh, what that is, that certificate of a title, I forget which year it is. but I studied this years ago, folks. But when you trace back the actual session laws, the Senate bills, and the House bills, you'll find that they changed the name in the 1930s somewhere. It used to be called a certificate of resale. That's right. Every certificate of title is actually a certificate of resale. Okay, so, and the tax that you're paying to try to trick everybody to make you believe it's not uh, uh, not commercial, it's actually an ad valorem tax. You are a rolling car dealer. Okay, so the car dealers don't have to pay taxes on all those cars sitting in the lot until they sell them but every time you sell that car you're you're paying that ad valorem tax and and it's a complicated issue i mean i'm not probably not explaining it correctly but it's a combination of licensing your car as a passenger class vehicle kind of like a a chauffeur a taxi a a limo driver and so they've made you a carrier And, and folks Uh, i posted an rcw on the board there rcw 81.80.010 subsection five says all motor vehicle operators not included under the term common carrier and private carrier and shall further include any persons who under special and individual contracts or agreements transports property by motor vehicle for compensation okay so wow okay how are they getting away with this folks well Everybody's too busy watching Scooby-Doo, Final Four Basketball, So You Think You Can Dance, in American Idol, you know. And I, I really do like American Idol, but I spend a lot of time reading books. I like reading. Okay, so what's the next subsection of that statute say? Uh, oh, they put something there to block the number. That was supposed to be number six, uh, so I'll put that up there. Oh, they did something funny there, 81.8010. That's really weird. The first one I got up there with a 5, but when I tried to put a 6 in, it wouldn't let me put it. So, folks, that's 6, 81.80.010, subsection 6. A person who transport by his own motor vehicle with or without compensation, therefore property owned or is being bought or sold by such person or property of which person is the seller, purchaser, lessee, or bailee, or such transportation is incidental to and in furtherance of some other primary business conducted by such person in good faith. Wow. Okay. How about Corpus Juris? Uh, let me let me get the, the site posted on the board here. Corpus Juris 10 CJ, 10 Corpus Juris Section 4. I'm going to post this on the board so you guys can look this up at the library. Ask the law library folks to show you how to find Corpus Juris, Corpus Juris Secundum, and Amjur. Okay, but I'll read you what the site says. A private carrier is one who, without being engaged in the business of carrying as a public employment, undertakes to deliver goods in a particular case for hire or reward. Okay, that could be the UPS driver. That could be the Federal Express delivery driver. That could be the the, the Bond Macy's Furniture Delivery Company. Okay? So let's see what case law says, okay, for Washington. Uh, I'm going to post a really good case here. It's called State vs. Beehive Auto Service Company from 1926. Um, And we'll start to see the scam that they're trying to trick us into being either a common carrier, a contract carrier, or a private carrier. By the way, folks, the State Patrol used to be called the Washington State Highway Commission. Before the Washington State Patrol was called the Washington State Highway Commission, they used to be called the Washington State Railroad Commission. Okay, and I've done the research on the state patrol. Their very first act of the state patrol, which used to be the Washington Railroad Commission, said that the state patrol officers today only have the authority to regulate common carriers and enforce the laws of the state, which is those involved in transportation on the highways, period. They can only regulate transportation. The problem is, folks, they have forced everybody into transportation, so what I'm looking for out there, folks, if you folks can find it for me, send me the case sites. I'll post my email again on the board here in a little bit. Here's the type of cases that we're looking for. And I'll have Lloyd describe it a little bit after I read this Beehive case. OK, Lloyd's found cases about positive, negative law. And I forget how it goes, but I'll have Lloyd explain it after I read this, uh, this site. Uh, the state has no authority to regulate a, a fundamental right under either positive or negative law. Now, I want to combine that principle with what Kurt Regan have done and David Merrillan have done, that they, cannot regulate, they can only regulate interstate and interstate commerce. I'm going to take that argument and combine it with this other case law that I found where I've got some beautiful case quotes, folks, where it talks about the highway was built for two purposes. Older case law that, that distinguishes the difference, that there's a primary use for which the highway was built, and that's the public's right to travel, With number two, the secondary use for the highway is for gain. And the case law lays out they can only regulate. Okay, that's what regulation goes to, regulating a business. They can regulate all those who use the highway for the secondary purpose, but they have no authority to regulate the number one. Okay, period. That would make it a toll road. Okay, we've already paid for the highways. These people are public servants. As far as I'm concerned, all you lying piece of shit prosecutors and judges, you need to be shining my shoes. You want my fucking money. You need to mow my lawn, okay? Rake my leaves. You need to wash my car, and you need to put two or three wax jobs on it. And if you do a good job, I might give you ten bucks, okay? But you're not getting my fucking money, okay? Uh, it ain't no fucking way, okay? These, these people are. A bunch of, okay, let me read you guys this quote from Beehive. Carriers, who are common carriers, automobiles let for hire. The letting of an automobile for hire is not a carrying for hire and does not make the lessor a common carrier of passengers for hire. With Remington Comp Stat Section 6382, 6384, and 6385, regulating carriers and requiring a permit from the Secretary of State. Appeals from judgments for the Superior Court for King County, Griffith J., entered June 18, 1925. Dismissing prosecutions for unlawfully transporting passengers for hire in a motor vehicle upon sustaining demurs to the informations. Affirmed. The corporation defendant and the individual defendant were charged by information with having violated the Jitney Bus Act. Laws of 1915, folks. There we go. All driver's license laws, folks, come from the 1950 Act, which was originally called the Jitney Bus Act. Page 227, 19. Uh, um, Laws of 1915, page 227, Remington Comp Stat, sections 6382, 6384, and 6385. This statute makes it unlawful for any person, firm, or corporation other than a steam, street, or interurban railroad company to engage in or carry on the business of carrying or transporting passengers for hire in any motor-propelled vehicle along any public street, road, or highway within the corporate limits of a city of the first class without first obtaining a permit, and they put in brackets, driver's license so to do from the Secretary of State. It is our opinion that the trial court reached the correct conclusion to let an automobile for hire in the absence of a statute prohibiting it, if the letting is otherwise for a lawful purpose, contains no element of crimes. Automobiles do not differ in this respect from any other species of personal property. And the keeping of personal property to be let for hire has ever been a lawful business. And by reason of the further fact that the letting for hire of an automobile to the use of another is to carry that other as a passenger for hire. But we cannot think the act of leasing has this result. Okay, folks, if I go to Hertz rent a car or budget rent a car and rent a car, that doesn't make me a common carrier. It is true, of course, that the lesser, by the act of leasing, enters into certain obligations, so well understood as not to require enumeration here. But we think it manifest that he does not, by the act, undertake to carry anyone, and much less does he become, by the act, either a public or private common carrier of passengers for hire. The judgments are affirmed. Tolman, C.J., Askren, Holcomb, and McIntosh, J.J., concur. State versus Beehive Auto Service Company 137 Washington paid 372 to 374, January 1926. Folks, there it is. Proof right there. The driver's license only applies to the driver's license. You're only required to have a driver's license if you're driving a vehicle that's been registered as a Jitney bus. That's right, the Jitney Bus Act. State versus Beehive lays it out. A common carrier Another here's another statute. I'll post this on the board. Eighty one point eighty point zero ten uh subsection five. Um let me see if that is is that the same statute as what I posted already? Um hold on let me get that on the board. Oh yeah, I think I did oh it's eighty one eighty zero on five. I must put this one again. Common carrier means any person who undertakes to transport property for the general public by motor vehicle for compensation, whether over regular or irregular routes or regular or irregular schedules, including motor vehicle operations of other carriers by rail or water and of express forwarding companies. Okay. Um, I'm going to read you the next case quote, folks. Uh, This is Big Band Auto Freight versus Ogre. Okay. Okay. I've done a lot of research and pulled new cases. Uh, um, and I told Kurt about this. Um, Kurt wrote a, a different kind of a common carrier brief years ago, but the cases I'm giving you guys, folks, tonight, uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't know if anybody's found these cases before. Okay. The first case, the first question to be determined, is whether or not respondent under the facts of this case is a common carrier. What constitutes a common carrier is a question of law. And is a question of fact whether one charged as a common carrier is within that definition. Forty CJ thirty nine. That's corpus juris, folks. Forty Corpus Juris page thirty nine. It is also well established that a private carrier cannot by legislative command be converted into a common carrier consistent with the due process clause of the fourteenth amendment to the Federal Constitution. Citing Frost and Frost Trucking Company versus Railroad Commission two hundred seventy one US reporter page five eighty three or seventy Law edition, lawyers edition, 1101. Michigan Public Utilities Commission versus Duke, 266 U.S. Reporter page 570, 69 lawyers edition, 445. It is also well established that a shipper such as the Big Bend Milling Company may have its goods shipped by private carrier by private con- by a private contract by private carrier. This would not, we think, make respondent a common carrier and that such does not constitute a violation of our Public Utilities Act. Oh, see, folks, they're calling it a Public Utilities Act. State x Stimson Timber Company versus Kendall, 137, Washington Reporter, page 602, 243, Pacific Reporter, page 834, okay, U.S. Uh, uh, at ADT Advocates Opinion, Uh, that's like attorney general opinion, 1927 and 1928 page 50, but that cited big brand auto freight versus, uh, ogre. I mean, did I get that on the board? Um, let me take a peek here. Cause I have to, I have to flip folks. I have, okay. I did get that on the board. I have to minimize my screen and go back to the board. So who are common carriers and contract carriers? Well, let's go to the 81.8010 subsection 12. Common carrier and contract carriers include persons engaged in the business of providing, contracting for, or undertaking to provide transportation and property for compensation over the public highways of the state of Washington as brokers or forwarders. Okay. Now, how about Corpus Juris 10CJ Section 10? must be holding out to carry as a public employment. In general, a common carrier is one who holds itself out as ready to engage in the transportation of goods for hire as a public employment and not as a casual occupation. Okay, folks, we're being scammed and tricked into licensing our car as either a private carrier, contract carrier, or common carrier. They're forcing us to engage in a business when we're not. If you, hey, if you're going to and from your, your place of employment, but you're not charging anybody, uh, 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 your passengers, okay? First of all, folks, the cops say, do you have any passengers? You say, no, I have a guest, okay? I don't have passengers. If you tell the cop you have passengers, then then it's assumed and presumed that you are in the business of transporting passengers for compensation, for hire. So what is a motor carrier? Let's go to 81.80.010, subsection 7. Motor carrier means and includes common carrier, contract carrier, private carrier, and exempt carrier. Hold hold, hold, hold on there. What's an exempt carrier? We need to look that up. Okay? So what's a a for-hire vehicle? Let's go to International Motor Transit Company versus City of Seattle, 251 Pacific Reporter, page 120 to 123, Supreme Court of Washington, December 6, 1926. For hire vehicles, as provided in the Section 6313, REMCOM stats are defined to mean all motor vehicles, that's right, folks, all motor vehicles, other than automobile stages, and by the way, folks, automobile stages are for hire, other than automobile stages used for the transportation of persons for which transportation, remuneration of any kind is received, either directly or indirectly. Folks, it's all over, Okay. It's all over. Now, what I'm looking for, folks, I need you to send me case law on this. Uh, It was Lloyd or somebody told me about it, that uh, supposedly the original Obama lawsuits were rejected or turned down on the ground. Somebody made an argument that they cannot force the public to contract with a private corporation. So that's what I'm looking for, folks. If you find case law that says... Uh, and something to do with Obama lawsuits or supposedly some U.S. Supreme or federal decisions out there, that's, a, that's the case law we need next to uh, put the frosting on the cake and put the final nail in the coffin. We need case law that says they cannot force us to contract with a private corporation. That's what I'm looking for. So if you folks have that kind of case law, send it to me, okay, because I will be able to brief out something that will put an end to the right to travel argument for the whole United States, okay? Let me read you, folks, the next case quote. You're going to love this. State versus Hertz drive-yourself stations, okay? Kind of like the beehive thing, folks. Just because you go rent a car from Budget Rent-A-Car or Hertz Rent-A-Car, that doesn't mean that, that you're using it for business to transport passengers for compensation. Okay. So the Hertz versus drive-yourself stations is 149, Washington Reporter, page 479 to 482, October, October 1928. Here's what the case says. Respondent contends that appellant's cars were, quote, for hire cars and should be licensed as such, and that renting by appellant of one of its cars without a such a license rendered appellant guilty of the offense charge. Rem comp stat, section 6313. defines certain words and phrases used in the Motor Vehicle Act, paragraphs 11 and 12 of said sections, reading as follows. Subsection 12, for hire, Shall be taken to mean all motor vehicles other than auto stages used for the transportation of persons for which rene- transportation remuneration of any kind is received either directly or indirectly. If the car owned by appellant comes within the definition of for hire cars as contained in paragraph 12, the judgment should be affirmed. Otherwise, it must be reversed. Appellant prosecuted under a criminal statute. And determining whether or not the act of appellant constituted an offense, the law is to be construed strictly rather than liberally. The for hire car is defined to be a quote, motor vehicle, officer. No, officer, I am not operating or driving a motor vehicle. Okay, it's time we wake these fucking androids up. The ADIQ cops with a badge and a gun that have been hired to stick us up by gunpoint, to rip us off at gunpoint, and charge us money for driving on a public highway that we already fucking paid for. I'm sick of it. The for hire car is defined to be a motor vehicle used for the transportation of persons. For its transportation, remuneration of any kind is received, either directly or indirectly. The remuneration, the paying of which determines the status of the vehicle is for the, quote, transportation of persons, as is clearly indicated by the words, quote, which which transportation not for the use of the car. Okay, folks, it's the use of the car. In our opinion, the testimony failed to show the appellant had been guilty of any offense under the law, and the judgment of guilty was therefore erroneous. Judgment reversed with order to dismiss the proceeding. Fullerton C.J. Tolman, that's right, Justice Tolman, Okay, one of the last few honest judges in Washington. Holcomb and Mitchell, J.J. Concur. This is back in the days, folks, when we had honest judges. Okay, we got nothing now except pieces of shit. Probably the last honest Supreme Court judge we have was Judge Richard Sanders. Judge Richard Sanders, in the case State versus Valentine, said this is a travesty of justice. This man suffered a severe beating. Okay, he should not have been found guilty of resisting arrest with his face. The only place this man had bruises, okay, uh, uh, was on his face. The only place the cops had bruises was on their fucking knuckles. This just proves that there's no justice in our courts, okay? There's, it's not about truth and justice anymore. It's about a bunch of corrupt bar attorneys, okay, frothing at the mouth for more money and making rulings against the people and oppressing the poor people. We need to we need to hang these fuckers. You know what? There's not enough rope in the grocery stores. You know, I don't even know if they sell rope in the grocery stores. Can we get rope at Home Depot? <laughs> okay. Uh, folks, we got we got to uncover all this shit and expose it before they try to come up with some kind of bullshit. Well, we've had it this way for 100 years. We've got away with the fraud for 100 years. So under the laws of prescription and the jubilee of 100 years, we get to – the fraud is – the fraud is now complete, so now we get to we get to have the fraud even though it's wrong, and that's what they're doing, folks. That's what they're doing. Now, you know what a commercial driver's license is, folks. Forty-nine United States Code section three one three zero one definitions. Okay, do you guys have a license issued by a state? Okay, I'll tell you, no, 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 no. The license isn't commercial. Do you have a license issued by a state? Is your driver's license issued by a state? Subsection 3 of 49 U.S.C. 31301 definitions. Quote, commercial driver's license means a license issued by a state to an individual authorizing the individual to operate a class of commercial motor vehicles. <laughs> okay. Number six, driver's license means a license issued by a state to an individual authorizing the individual to operate a motor vehicle on highways. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number 12, motor vehicle means a vehicle, machine, tractor, trailer, or semi-trailer propelled or drawn by mechanical power and used on public streets, roads, or highways, but does not include a vehicle, machine, tractor, trailer, or semi-trailer operated only on a rail line or custom-harvesting farm machinery. Okay. Uh, we got a problem, folks. Okay. We're being scammed. It's all scammed. It's all goddamn scam. Let's go to 49 CFR, Part 383, 383 Section 383.153, Information on the CLP and CDL Documents and Applications. A, Commercial Driver's License. All CDLs must contain all the following information. One, the prominent statement that the license is a commercial driver's license or CDL except as specified in paragraph C of this section, Title 49 CFR, Section 383.153A. Folks. I went over this on an earlier show, but for those of you who are new tonight, uh, I'm gonna to point out the scam here. They've changed the driver's license in all the states. In the last ten years they've changed ten to fifteen years they've changed the driver's license four times. Okay. B- mainly because of my introduction in the evidence, certified copies of the session law, Senate bills, and house bills for RCW forty six twenty five zero eighty. This freaks the judges out in Seattle. Judge Bonner and Judge Hollyfield 10, 12, 14 years ago. You know, they called my name. I object, Your Honor. Mr. Ewing, I'm tired of your shaganigans. What are you objecting to today? Well, I'm objecting to you calling my name. <laughs> Mr. Ewing, what is this nonsense about? I said, Your Honor, I don't have to have a commercial driver's license to drive in the pipe. Mr. Ewing, we've gone over this before. The driver's license is in chapter 4620, and you're in the wrong chapter 4625. Folks, I'm going to reveal the scam. Your Honor, do you have a regular driver's license? Is not commercial. He goes, yes, I do. And I go, well, Your Honor, do you have it on you? This is why they've changed the driver's license four, folks, four times, folks, because I've embarrassed the shit out of the judges. I've had whole courtrooms laughing. Okay? Judge Bonner Bonner and Holyfield, two black judges, they hate they hate my butt. Okay? They they, they, they call the sheriffs in the courtroom. They're waiting in the back of the courtroom waiting to arrest me because I'm a smarty pants. Okay? They don't like it that I'm a smarty pants. I'm, you know, I... These people piss me off because I do not like being lied to, okay, Uh, especially by somebody who presumes to be an authority, somebody who's enforcing the law is actually committing RICO violations, okay. These people are threatening the courtrooms of you public with jail time and fines and suspending your licenses, which includes more jail time and being arrested, having your cars impounded, losing your jobs, losing your wife, losing your children. These people are, under the color of law, Committing false arrest, false imprisonment, and they're doing it to enrich themselves. Okay, we're talking about a major uh, RICO criminal enterprise extortion racket under the threat of false imprisonment, sticking you up by gunpoint. Your life's at risk because you got dumb cops, you know, leftover rejects from the army. Fuck, folks, this is just nuts. Let me read you 4625080. License, contents, classifications, endorsements, restrictions, expiration, exchange of information, subsection one. The commercial driver's license must be marked commercial driver's license, or CDL. Subsection A, licenses may be classified as follows. I, class II. I, class B. I, 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 class C. Now, Oregon used to read the same way. But Oregon is a little bit ahead of us. They've created a fourth class of driver's license called a class D license. But they're all commercial because I traced the roots in Oregon's law, Utah's law, Idaho's laws. And several other states. Okay, there's a scam here, folks. Uh, The back of the old Washington driver's license. I'd ask the judge, Bonner in Hollyfield. Well, Your Honor, can you pull out your driver's license? And I turn around in the courtroom and say, Can everybody, while we're at it, can everybody in the courtroom here please pull out your driver's license? And had everybody in the courtroom pulling out their driver's license. The judge was pissed that I was calling him out on his bullshit and embarrassing him in front of everybody in the whole fucking courtroom. Okay, these people are bullshit. They're fucking liars. They should all be disbarred. They should be removed from the bench permanently, never allowed to serve in a public office again. They should lose their pension funds. They should get a Nuremberg trial, okay? They should be found guilty. They should get judicial process, the same that they give us. They don't give us due process, so why should they get due process? Let's give them the same judicial process they give us, and upon being found guilty, let's let them be hanged by the neck until dead, Let's let the Army, the Navy, and the Marines, the Air Force, and the National Guard draw straws. Who gets to shoot them first at a firing squad? Wouldn't that be great? Or how about every mother and grandmother who's ever lost a child or grandchild in the war? Let's let the grannies have first pot shots first with 22 rifles, starting from the outer extremities first. Wouldn't that be awesome? But I'd rather sell tickets to the Coliseum like Spartacus and throw them in there with the lions and watch Spartacus slice and dice all these fuckers. Okay. We got a problem here. Where's where's all this money? The licensing. We're talking how many million residents? Seven, uh, seven and a half, seven million something. Resident Washington residents times a forty-five dollar driver's license. How much is that? Holy crap! That's a lot of money. Forty-seven zero four zero fifty. Acceptance of federal acts. The state of Washington hereby sends to the purposes, provisions, and terms and conditions of the grant of money provided in an act of Congress entitled "An Act to Provide for the United States Shall Aid the States in Construction of Rural Post Roads." Folks, the railroads and the post Road, the postal service. Uh, uh, Lloyd, what was that about the postal service? They didn't they? Uh, uh, they, they didn't this they kind of sharing of the land grant acts with the railroad companies? Are you still there, I- Lloyd?
1: No, oh, Not the Postal Service that was created about 1970 and they leased post office equipment to operate. They're a semi private corporation like the Federal Reserve.
2: Okay, it says here an
0: act to provide that the United States shall aid the states in construction of rural post roads and for other purposes approved July 11, 1916. And all acts, grants, and appropriations, are mandatory and supplementary thereto, and affecting the state of Washington at 1961. Chapter 13, Section 4704050, the prior law, 1937, Chapter 53, Section 43, RRS, that's Remington Revised Statute, Section 6400 through 6443, 1917, Chapter 76, Section 1, RRS, Remington Revised Statute, Section 6844. Okay, now Washington law requires that federal law supersedes over any state laws in conflict as a condition for receiving federal funds pursuant to 47.42920, which reads, quote, Federal requirements, conflict in the court, states and parts, the rules under this chapter shall meet federal requirements that are a necessary condition to the receipt of federal funds by the state. Okay, so what's the difference, folks? Uh, What's going on here? The money motor vehicles vehicles okay let's look at a couple definitions for uh, motor vehicles the term motor vehicle is different and broader than the word automobile city of Dayton versus DeBrosse. this is a 1913 case Um, I'll post this case on the board so that you guys can look up the sites it's an amendment of an amendment of the amendment of a piece of toilet paper which isn't the law let me point out something folks we have had no laws in the state of Washington passed since eighteen eighty one or eighteen eighty nine at the at the latest. Okay? It's an impossibility. You people are quote registered voters. Okay? The the civil at the end of the civil war where we lost the word of the British, one of the main purposes of the Reconstruction Acts, it said was to change the status of the people from electors. We're talking about free white men or Indian who owned 50 acres of land, unencumbered lands, that did not have a mortgage or a trust deed. Folks, do you really trust attorneys? They're the ones that wrote the Trustee act. Okay? If people don't understand this, i got to jump back and forth from history to the present so people can understand why this shit pisses me off. Because everybody's on autopilot and they don't understand, well, everybody has to be taxes. Everybody has to have a license. Are you fucking stupid? Okay. Why do you have to have okay license by definition is permission to do something that without which would be illegal. When would it be illegal for you to own a dog? When would it be illegal for you to own a cat? Why do you need Ill- well state state of Washington, I'm a slave. Can I have permission to have a cat? Well you have to have a license to have a cat and you pay here thirty dollars. That's bullshit. The next door neighbor lady's giving me free kittens. I don't need a license from you, she gave me a kitten. It's mine. No, it looks, no, no. Like, license. Uh, you got off
1: of the license thing. Uh, you left a uh, big confusion about what the license thing is all about. It's yeah, a I scam. Think, well, I think it needs clarified. You didn't go into uh, 4620 what that was. Maybe you did on another program
0: I didn't hear. But Oh, oh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. I, I'm jumping back and forth a little bit on history, folks. Um like I just explained, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there, Lloyd. Okay, and also, you read a federal law about uh, Section
1: C. Right. Okay, Section C lays out that the director shall write the new rules for a different driver's license called a regular driver's license. And he didn't write the rules, so when you make application for a driver's license, and you look on since about uh, 2009. The driver's license doesn't say A, B, or C any longer. There's right. another license called a regular driver's license, and that's what you need to get into before you lose it. If you got too far away from it with this other stuff. And uh, you know, if I didn't know all this stuff myself, I would be so confused. I wouldn't know what the hell you're talking about.
0: Right. Yeah. You're
1: not. You know. You know. You're not staying cohesive to get the whole program laid out to where you were at.
0: Right. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, Lloyd. Let me. Uh, I've got a flyer, folks. I'll post my links again uh, um, uh, here in a few minutes. But I'm going to read you uh, where I left off. Uh, what Lloyd's talking about, where I left off on the license issue. So, the judge is saying, Mister Ewing, the regular driver's license is in 4620. You're in the wrong chapter. You're in 4625. That's commercial. Okay. The regular driver's license is 4620001. Okay, folks. Here's the scam. Okay, the Washington case law says if the definition is provided by the legislature, that controls. Not what the judge says. What the judge says is all bullshit, okay, because he can lie. He's not, under, he's not sworn to under oath. Okay, so he's not required to tell the truth. And all the judges are in conspiracy to lie to us. They're lying to us from the bench. Chapter 4625 subsection 3. The definition set forth in this section applied throughout this chapter. Here, here it is, folks. Here's the key right here. Commercial driver's license CDL means a license issued to an individual under chapter 4620 RCW that has been endorsed in accordance with the requirements of this chapter to authorize the individual to drive a class of commercial motor vehicle. Okay? So that's consistent with 4625.080 the 1AIIIIII I, 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 and II I, the class A, B, and C license, okay? So now, I'm going to pull uh, um, my other flyer, folks. Uh, I've got the no commercial driver's license required, and i got the other flyer called the no regular driver's license. Okay? Chapter 4620 subsection 1, says, no person may drive a motor vehicle upon a highway in this state without first obtaining a valid driver's license issued to Washington residents under this chapter. Okay? Uh, but, folks, 4625010 already told us that commercial driver's license, CDL, means a license issued to an individual under Chapter 4620. So here it is. The definitions 4625, Subsection 3, 4625-010, Subsection 3, clearly tells you that the driver's license issued under Chapter 4620 is a commercial driver's license that has been endorsed with the requirements of this chapter, to authorize the individual to drive a class of commercial motor vehicle. There it is, folks, right there. It's all over. The state the only sells commercial driver's licenses.
1: The, the way they can get away with A, B, or C class is because under that uh, federal law you read, there's a Section C It lays out that that's for small vehicle. And a small vehicle is not required to have an A, B, or C on it because the rules haven't been written by the director yet. So That's right. Uh, the person that's taking applications for driver's license knows that, so he issues you a driver's license that has no endorsement. See, so you're oh, no. now, now the regular license uh, doesn't have an endorsement, but it is an endorsement under 4620 still. But it doesn't right. have the APC on it. See, and that's but, how they get away with it. Then they can say, well, that's the dra- regular driver's license. Everybody's required to get it just to get in your car and go. No, it, every license under 4620, because they don't cite the last three letters, because the statutes have like 4620, uh, uh, 289, 291. You know, there's always three more numbers. But they don't cite the last three numbers, so that means every number under 4620 is a commercial license, no matter where it comes from, out of 4620. And that's how they're getting away with it, by them creating a statute for a small vehicle. So so your passenger class vehicle is a vehicle class to haul, including the driver, up to seven passengers, and it weighs under 10,000 pounds. Well, that's considered a small vehicle that they haven't written the rules for yet. And that's what they're doing. They actually have four classes of driver's license. One is, has no endorsement on it yet, but it still falls under the rules of 4620. Then they have one that has A, B, or C is endorsed for certain weights, uh, like it's over 26,001 pounds for different weights and different combinations. You have to have an A, B, or C before you can drive those. But for a small vehicle, they haven't uh, wrote the rules of endorsement yet. And that's what they're doing. But, so go ahead, Lewis.
2: Sorry I yep. brought it
0: in on you. oh, no, that's okay, because it's good to have the- – for people to hear the different perspective on the same thing, because it makes if somebody doesn't understand me well, you've explained it in a way that somebody else will understand it. And same thing with Kurt, you know, or, or Dave Maryland speaks on this subject. Every, we all have pieces of the puzzle, and, and sometimes. Even myself, I'll have trouble explaining something so somebody else can understand it. Because different people have different thought processes, they think at different rates, they speak at different speeds, and it's hard to catch everything. So it's good to have two or three people talking about the same subject and banter back and forth a little bit so that it makes it more clear for everybody. Let me read you another definition, folks. 18 U.S.C. Section 31, Subsection 6. To all you dumb cops out there, Mr. Ewing, you're operating and driving a motor vehicle. Motor vehicle, the term motor vehicle, quote, means every description of carriage or other contrivance propelled or drawn by mechanical power and used for commercial purposes on the highways in the transportation of passengers, passengers and property, or property or cargo. Subsection 10, used for commercial purposes. The term, quote, used for commercial purposes means the carriage of purses or property for any fair fee, rate, charge, or other consideration, or directly or indirectly in connection with any business or other undertaking intended for profit. Okay, this is bullshit, folks. Okay, you do not have to have a license to own a cat unless you're a cat breeder. If you're advertising yourself as a cat breeder and you're selling cats for money, Within the state of Washington, you're required to have a cat breeder's license. You do not have to have a cat license, a pet license, to own a pet. That's bullshit. Okay? You do not have to have a dog license or a pet license to own a fucking dog. That's bullshit. Okay? If your neighbor's giving you puppies, you do not have to have a license. If the neighbor give you the puppy, it's yours. You don't have to have the state's permission to, to have a, a doggy license or a pet license to own a dog. Unless you are a
2: license. There's
0: one other issue. It's on the on
1: the licensing, also the you mentioned a 1905 statute that they passed for the first commercial driver's license,
2: yep. and
1: then 1915 they revisited that area for the commercial license, and they tried to create again what would be called the regular license. They created two driver's licenses in 1915, but they cited the. 1905 statute as authority to do it so both the driver's licenses created in 1915 are created under the 1905 statute as for the commercial statute but what the key is when you and I went to the code revisor many years ago and I happened to have a bunch of books from the University of Washington and I had that 1915 pamphlet produced by the uh, 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 Washington State Printer. I actually had a copy of that document, and the Code Revisor didn't have it. They had taken that one that cited the 1905 law, and they destroyed it, and it is not a public record any longer. But I happen to have one, and in, in books that were thrown away from the University of Washington Law Library, that I actually have one in my library.
0: Yeah, you know what? Uh, we need to go down to we need to go down to uh, the Code Revisor's office, and also the archives and do that search again to find that missing book. And then what we got to do uh, um I got stuff in storage, Lloyd, unfortunately for the state. Okay? Before they removed those books, they 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 were onto what, they were onto what we were studying. So they they removed that one book from both the code revisor's office that same year that book, they removed it from the archives. It's they're trying to trick everybody. That just proves, folks, the bar are criminals. But luckily for us, Prior to them removing that book, about five six years earlier, folks, I had already gone down to the department, uh, the archives, Secretary of State's office, before I let them know, before I told them what I was doing, and I got a certified copy of every session law, every Senate bill, and every House bill from 1905 to 1915 forward till about two till about geez 1990 something, okay, um, and they didn't know they didn't know what I was doing. Okay. So I actually have a certified copy of the session law with the seal of the state on it. Okay, in storage right now. Of that missing book that proves the whole thing is commercial. Okay. So this is going to rock their world when I dig that out and post it online on the internet. That's going to that's going to fuck them up and prove their fraud. Let me read this folks 4625080 again. Okay. One, the commercial driver's license must be my commercial driver's license, or CDL. Now, keep in mind, folks, the old Washington driver's license on the, top, on the back of the license, I'd say, Judge Bronner, Judge Holyfield, you have that regular license? Yes, I do. Well, can you pull it out? And I tell everybody in the courtroom, could you all pull out your driver's license? Your Honor, your Honor, could you flip over your license, the back of it? Could you read us what it says on the top of the back of your so-called regular driver's license that you falsely claims a regular driver's license? And could you also read what it says on the left-hand column? His eyes bugged out of his head. You can't of the courtroom right now For i you arrested. Well, I'll carry on as long as you dismiss my case. Case dismissed. Now you get out of my courtroom. And about 15, 20 people chasing me out into the lobby asking me, what's that statute? What's that statute? And the funny thing was they had to dismiss, I don't know, a dozen something-plus cases that day um, because everybody who was in there for driving while suspended or driving out a license. And I absolutely proved with my offers of proof Uh, um, that that license statute was the only license classification statute in the entire motor vehicle code for Title 46. There is no other license classification statute. It classified all three classes, Class A, Class B, Class C. Your Honor, can you tell me which class license A, B, or C is not commercial? Can you tell me which one of these is the regular driver's license? (laughs) You know, these fuckers are so stupid, they wouldn't know the law if you hit them over the head with a fucking law book. Okay. A. The name and ad- the name and resident address of the person. B. The person's color photograph. C. A physical description of the person, including sex, height, weight, and, and eye color. D. Date of birth. E. The person's social security number, or any other number identifier deemed appropriate by the department. Guess what, folks? I got a way, another way to beat the driver's license. Okay. Title 42 has never been passed into law. I have, uh, uh, at Lloyd's instruction, I went down to. The, the University of Washington Library, and I copied the entire annotated for Title One United States Code section as uh, at 104 and 112. I copied the entire section. It has an index, okay, in the United States Code annotated at the University of Washington Library that lists every act of Congress, in the United States Code that has been passed into positive law. Title 42, the Social Security Act, has never been passed into positive law. So, the state is illegally requiring people to provide a Social Security number to get a driver's license. So you could be a driver's license uh, charge on the grounds that you can't require me to get a driver's license and, and charge me criminally because federal law says it's not required. Federal law shows that the Social Security Act has never been passed. I'm not required to give a Social Security number. And since I refuse to give one, this statute says it's a felony crime. Okay, it's a felony crime uh, for you to require me to get a driver's license in violation of federal law, which has never been passed. Sorry, folks. Uh, they don't. They, they, most people don't know this. E, uh, the person's health security number or any number or identifier deemed appropriate by the department. F, the person's signature. G, the class or type of commercial motor vehicle or vehicles that the person is authorized to drive together with any endorsements or restrictions. H, the name of the state. I, the date between which the license is valid. Two, commercial driver's license may be issued with the classifications, endorsements, and restrictions set forth in this subsection. The holder of a valid commercial driver's license may drive all vehicles in the class for which that license is issued and all lesser classes of vehicles except the motorcycles of vehicles that require an endorsement unless the proper endorsement appears on the license. A. Licenses may be classified as follows. I. Class A is a combination vehicle. II Class B is a heavy straight vehicle. III The triple I. Class C is a small vehicle. There we go, folks. The small vehicle that is A- Designed to transport 16 or more passengers, including the driver, or B, used in the transportation of hazardous materials. B, the following endorsements may be placed on a license: I, H authorizes the driver to drive a vehicle transporting hazardous materials. II, uh, in, in T, capital T authorizes driving double and triple trailers. Triple I, capital P authorizes driving vehicles carrying passengers other than school buses. IV capital N, authorizes driving tank vehicles. V, capital X, represents a combination of hazardous materials and tank vehicle endorsements. VI, capital S, authorizes driving school buses. C, the following restrictions may be placed in a license. Keep in mind, folks, they're going to, like, not endorse the new driver's license, okay? They're going to not put endorsements. They're not going to put in, uh, restrictions on it. It's going to be a regular commercial driver's license. The so-called regular driver's license is really just a regular commercial driver's license that has no endorsements and no restrictions on it. I, capital E, restricts the driver from operating a commercial motor vehicle equipped with a manual transmission. I, I, capital K, restricts the driver from interstate operation of a commercial motor vehicle. Triple I, restricts the driver from operating a commercial motor vehicle equipped with air brakes. IV, capital M, restricts the driver from operating... Class A passenger vehicles. V capital N restricts the driver from operating Class A and B passenger vehicles. VI capital O restricts the driver from operating tractor trailer commercial motor vehicles. V, double I, capital V means that the driver has been issued a medical variance. VIII capital Z restricts the driver from operating a commercial vehicle motor vehicle equipped with full air brakes. D the license may be issued with additional endorsements and restrictions as established by the rule of the director. There okay.
1: Now, That's
0: folks, one. What, I'm going to read you what Lloyd discovered from Title 49, Subtitle B, Chapter 3, Subchapter B, Part 383, Subpart J, Section 383.153, Information on the CLP and CDL Documents and Applications. Go ahead, Lloyd. You wanted to say something?
1: No, I'm just saying that that's where the trick is. You just read it where the director is to write the new rules, and he doesn't do it see so that's you can't right. you can't drive a b or C licensed vehicles. you have to drive the one that's un un uh, uh endorsed so you get an unendorsed license and then you yes. jump in your passenger vehicle and you're out cruising for passengers. the passenger vehicle you can haul up to seven. Passengers, including the driver, and it has to be under ten thousand pounds.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that's getting away with calling it a regular license, but it's a regular commercial license, unendorsed.
0: Yeah. So go read that, folks. Forty-six twenty-five zero eighty. Read that whole statute, and then go at the bottom, where it's subsection uh, 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 lowercase D in parentheses. The license may be issued with additional endorsements and restrictions as established by rule of the director. And that's what Lloyd says is the trick. That may is discretionary. It's not the same thing as shell. Shell is mandatory. So the license may be issued with additional endorsements and restrictions as established by the rule of the director. Well, what's the opposite meaning of that? That means, well, they don't have to. They, don't, they can give you the license that has no additional endorsements and no restrictions. There's the trick.
1: But again, they an A, B, or C uh, commercial vehicle. See, that's too dangerous. So it restricts you if you don't have an endorsement, you can't drive one of those that is required to be endorsed.
0: So let's match that 4625080, folks, with Title 49, Subtitle B, Chapter 3, Subchapter B, Part 383, Subpart J, Section 383.153. And to make it short and simple, 49 CFR 383.153. Okay. Information on the CLP, okay, as commercial learner's permit and commercial driver's license documents and applications. A, commercial driver's license. All CDLs must contain all the following information. Number one, the prominent statement that the license is a commercial driver's license or CDL, except as specified in paragraph C of this section. Okay. Um, Go down to C now. Okay. C. C says C for small vehicle. Yeah. And underneath that, VIII, the endorsements for which the driver has qualified, if any, indicated as follows, A, P for passenger endorsement. Now go down to the other, okay, no, that was uppercase C. Let me go down to the lowercase C. I think this is what it was referring to. If the C, if the CLP or CDL is a non-domiciled CLP or CDL, it must contain the prominent statement that the license or permit is a non-domiciled commercial driver's license, non-domiciled CDL, non-domiciled commercial learner's permit, or non-domiciled CLP as appropriate. The word non-domiciled must be conspicuously and unmistakably displayed but may be non contiguous with the words commercial driver's license, CDL, commercial learner's permit, or CPL.
1: Well, that would mean someone from out of state that's driving commercially in this state. See, right. You're, you're non domiciled in this state. So it's the other, other small C or the small A license that's for a small vehicle license that there are no endorsements yet.
0: Right. Let me go down to two. The full name, signature, and mailing or residential address in the licensing state of the person to whom such license is issued. Three, physical and other information to identify and describe such person, including date of birth, month, day, and year, sex, and height. Four, color photograph, digitized color image, or black and white laser engraved photograph of the driver. The state may issue a temporary CDL without a photo or image if it is valid for no more than 60 days. Number five, the driver's state license number. 6. The name of the state which issued the license. 7. The date of issuance and the date of expiration of the license. 8. The group or groups of commercial motor vehicles that the driver is authorized to operate indicated as follows I is A for combination vehicle, II, capital B, for heavy straight vehicle, and triple I is capital C for small vehicle. 9. The endorsements for which the driver is qualified, if any, indicated as follows I, capital T for double slash triple trailers, double I, capital P for passenger, triple I, capital N for tank vehicle, IV, capital H for hazardous materials, V, capital X for a combination of tank vehicles and hazardous materials endorsements, VI, capital S for school bus, and VII. At the discretion of the state, additional codes for additional groupings of endorsements as long as each such discretionary code is fully explained on the front or back of the CDL document. See, the state has the discretion to put additional endorsements or the discretion not to put any endorsements at all. And there's the trick, folks. They're not going to put any endorsements or restrictions on the so-called regular commercial driver's license. Okay, so the so called regular driver's license, folks, is really a regular commercial driver's license that has not, where the director is at his discretion, he may or may not put the endorsement or restriction on it. It's a big scam. Okay? 10. The restrictions placed on the driver from operating certain equipment or vehicles, if any, indicated as follows I, capital L, for no brake air equipment, CMV. II, capital Z, for no full. Air brake equipped CMV. Triple I, capital E for no manual transmission equipped CMV. IV, capital O for no tractor trailer CMV. V, capital M for no class A passenger vehicle. VI, capital N for no class A and B passenger vehicle. VII, capital K for interstate only. VIII, capital V for medical variance. And IX, at the discretion of the state, additional codes for additional restrictions as long as each such restriction code is fully explained on the front or back of the CDL document. Okay, folks, what they're doing now is they're going to hide the endorsements and the restriction codes with the barcode that's on the back of your driver's license, or it could be in the seal of the Department of Licensing itself. But they're going to just – this is why the cops ask for your driver's license, and they plug it into their slot like a credit card. Okay, so they're, they're running uh, – um, the the barcode on your driver's license where the restrictions are hidden. B, commercial learner's permit. Number one, a CLP must not contain a photograph, digitized image, or other visual representation of the driver. Two, all CLPs must contain all the following information. I, the prominent statement that the permit is a commercial learner's permit, or CLP, except as specified in paragraph C of this section and that it is invalid unless accompanied by the underlying driver's license issued by the same jurisdiction. II, the full name, signature, and mailing or residential address in the permitting state of the person to whom the permit is issued. I, physical and other information to identify and describe such person, including the date of birth, month, day, and year, sex, and, weight and height. IV, the driver's state license number. V, the name of the state which issued the permit. VI, the date of issuance and the date of expiration of the permit. VII, the group or groups of commercial motor vehicles that the driver is authorized to operate, indicated as follows. Capital A, capital A for combination vehicle. B, capital B for heavyweight, for heavy straight vehicle. And capital C uh, for small vehicle. VIII, the endorsements for which the driver has qualified, if any, indicated as follows. A, Capital P for passenger endorsement. A CLP holder with a P endorsement is prohibited from operating a CMB carrying passengers other than federal-slash-state auditors and inspectors, test examiners, other trainees, and the CDL holder accompanying the CFPL holder as prescribed by CFR 283.25, subsection A1 of this part. Capital B, capital S for school bus endorsement. A CLP holder with a capital S endorsement is prohibited from operating a school bus with passengers other than federal slash state auditors and inspectors, test examiners, other trainees, and a CDL holder accompanying the CLP holder as prescribed by sections 383.25A1 of this part and capital C, capital N for tank vehicle endorsements. A CLP holder with an N endorsement may only operate an empty tank vehicle and is prohibited from operating any tank vehicle that previously contained hazardous materials that has not been purged of any residue. IX, the restrictions placed on the driver, if any, indicated as follows. A, capital P for no passengers in the CMB bus. B, capital X for no cargo in CMB tank vehicle. C, capital L for no air brake equipped CMB. D, capital V for medical variants. E, capital M for no class A passenger vehicle. F, capital N for no class A and B passenger vehicle. G, capital K for interstate only. H, any additional jurisdictional restriction that apply to the CLP driving privilege. Oh, there you go, folks, a driving privilege, okay, because it's commercial, okay? That's the privilege, okay, to operate in a business, okay? It's a privilege to drive a motor vehicle for compensation upon the public highways. That's the secondary use for which the highways were built, folks. Okay. C, if the CLP or CDL is a non-domiciled CLP or CDL, it must contain the prominent statement that the license or permit is a non-domiciled commercial driver's license, non-domiciled CDL, non-domiciled commercial learner's permit, or non-domiciled CLP as appropriate the word non-domiciled must must be conspicuously and unmistakably displayed but may be non-contiguous with the words commercial driver's license, CDL, commercial learner's permit, or CLP. D, if the state has issued the applicant an air brake restriction as specified in Section 383.95, that restriction must be indicated on the CLP or CDL. E, except in the case of a non-domiciled CLP or CDL holder who is domiciled in a foreign jurisdiction, one, a driver's applicant must provide his slash her social security number on the application over CLP or CDL. Two, the state must provide the social security number to the CDLIS. Three, the state must not display the social security number on the CLP or CDL. F, the state may issue a multi-part CDL provided that, one, each document is explicitly tied to the other documents and to a single driver's record. Two, the multi-part license document includes all of the data elements specified in this section. G, current CDL holders are not required to be retested to determine whether they need any of the new restrictions for no full air brakes, no manual transmission, and no tractor-trailer. These new restrictions only apply to CDL applicants who take skills tests on or after July 8, 2014, including those applicants who previously held a CDL before the new restrictions went into effect. H, on or after July 8, 2014, current CLP and CDL holders who do not have the standardized endorsement and restriction codes and applicants for a CLP or CDL are to be issued CLPs and CDLs with the standardized codes upon initial issuance, renewal, upgrade, or transfer. So there you go, folks. Uh, There's the trick. The so-called regular driver's license, the director has the discretion to put endorsements, additional endorsements, restrictions, or additional restrictions on the commercial driver's license. So the so-called regular driver's license is really just a regular commercial driver's license it doesn't have any additional endorsements or restrictions on it it's a it's a Class C small passenger vehicle but it's still a passenger vehicle so we are being scammed back to uh 49 usc 31301 subsection three Commercial driver's license means a license issued by a state to an individual authorizing the individual to operate a class of commercial motor vehicles. Folks, do you have a license that's been issued by your state? Because if you do, if you have a license issued by your state, the federal law set, defines that license to be a commercial driver's license. Folks, are you driving a motor vehicle on the highway? Well, 49 U.S.C. Section 3103, 31301, subsection 4, It defines, quote, commercial motor vehicle, in quotation marks, means a motor vehicle used in commerce to transport passengers or property. Okay, folks, do you have a motor vehicle? Because if you do, your motor vehicle is defined by federal law to be a commercial motor vehicle. And the state can't change the definition because it's accepting federal money. Okay? Because the state is accepting federal money, they're bound by the federal law and what the federal law defines it to be okay, it's illegal for them to force us to engage in the business, okay, you can't force me to get a roofers license to roof my own house, you can't force me to get an electrician's license to wire my own house, you can't force me to get a landscaper's permit to mow my own fucking lawn, okay, that's bullshit, subsection six of, of 49 USC 310301, Driver's license means a license issued by a state to an individual authorizing the individual to operate a motor vehicle on highways.
2: <laughs> okay?
0: <laughs> Seven, employee means an operator of a commercial motor vehicle, including an independent contractor when operating a commercial motor vehicle who is employed by an employer. Eight, employer means a person including the United States government, a state, or a political subdivision of a state that owns or leases a commercial vehicle or assigns employees to operate a commercial motor vehicle. Folks, if you work for Kentucky Fried Chicken, Baskin-Robbins, Safeway Grocery Store, if you're a real estate broker, if you work for Bond Macy's, you work for a political subdivision of the state, okay? Period. Uh, D, driving a commercial motor vehicle when the individual has not obtained a commercial driver's license. <laughs> okay, those are the violations. Uh, e, Driving a commercial motor vehicle when the individual does not have in his or her possession a commercial driver's license, okay, uh, unless the individual provides by the date the individual must appear in court or pay any fine with respect to citation to the enforcement authority to issue the citation proof that the individual held a valid commercial driver's license on the date of the citation. Okay, so guess what, folks? Um, the so-called 4620-015 driver without a license, Okay. The state is in, is is enforcing a $250 fine, penalizing you for driving without a driver's license, which the federal law defines as being commercial. Okay? They can't do that. Okay. 49 USC 31302, commercial driver's license requirement. No individual shall operate a commercial motor vehicle without a valid commercial driver's license issued in accordance with section three one three oh eight. An individual operating commercial motor vehicle may have only one driver's license at any time and may have only one learner's permit at any time. I mean I can't go get a California and Washington and Oregon and Idaho and Utah? I can't go get a bunch of licenses to drive around in different states? No, because it's all commercial. You can only be licensed commercially in one state. The state has the right to regulate interstate commerce and interstate commerce. Okay? So we're being bullshitted. Okay? We're being scanned. We're being forced to engage in commerce. So, folks, I need you to send me case law that says the state or federal government, I don't care what it is, cannot force us to contract with a private corporation. The state of Washington is a corporation registered on Dun & Bradstreet. The Department of Licensing is a corporation registered on Dun & Bradstreet. They cannot force me to engage in a contract with a private corporation. That's the case law that, that I'm looking for, Okay. Um, we're being scammed, okay? So where's their authority? Let's look at uh, RCW 80.01.040, General Powers and Duties of the Commission. We're talking about the Railroad Commission, okay? The Washington State Highway Patrol, which used to be called the Washington State Highway Commission, which before used to be called the the Railroad Commission. Guest eleven. This is about the right to travel. Okay. Um, um, I just flip back to the board. Okay. Eighty one point zero one zero forty. The Utilities and Transportation Commission shall one exercise all the powers and perform all the duties prescribed by this title and by Title eighty one RCW or by any other law. Two. Regulate in the public interest as provided by the public service laws. All persons engaging in the transportation of persons or property within this state for compensation. Okay, they have no authority to regulate me driving upon the public highways, even though they I use the word driving. Okay, because that's a trick. This is bullshit. Okay, you the public, you think the motor vehicle is your car? You're driving to work. You're driving to go visit your mom and dad. You're driving to the beach. The officer says, you're operating a motor vehicle in the state of Washington. You have to have a license to drive a motor vehicle. And I said, shut the fuck up. God, I'm sick of these dumb cops. Okay? They do not know the law. They've been mistrained by their police chiefs. The police chiefs are being mistrained by the prosecutors, which, by the way, all the prosecutors are members of the Washington State Bar. And the same holds true for every other state. The attorneys are fucking lying to you. The prosecutors are lying to you, and the judges are lying to you, and it's just to fill their pockets. It's to get money. No, no, it's for the safety. Bullshit. 90 95% of all the accidents on the public highways are licensed drivers. There is absolutely no truth to the fact that a license does anything to promote safety. Okay? Every single case, Julianne Port was a drunk driver. Okay? So, all the prosecutors, oh, Spokane versus Port held driving as a privilege. Bullshit. That's a misquote. That's dicta. Spokane versus Port did not hold that driving is a privilege. It misquotes another case called Evergreen State, Evergreen District Court versus Jucket, which is also a drunk driver case. And that case did not hold that driving is a privilege. But it did say the driver takes the wheel, does so with the knowledge that the use of the license is the privilege, and therefore has consented to take the breathalyzer. And back to what at Fergal Way Stop I mentioned years ago, folks, the cop said, I could arrest you for not taking the breathalyzer. I said, no, you can't. The statute says only the licensee shall take the breathalyzer. I'm not a licensee. I don't have to take the breathalyzer. And this was the uh, the black cop in Federal Way, and he got a big smile on his face. Let's see, I can't remember his name, but his Mexican partner, Gabe Castillo or something like that. It was Lieutenant Sumter. Gabe Castriel or something, I forget the black officer's name in away but it was funny, he goes, When I told him the only the licensee shall take the breathalyzer, he got this big smile on his face and he goes, You're right, only the licensee has to take the breathalyzer. Guess what, folks? It's a the drunk driving is the privilege. That's right, folks. It's not the driving, it's the privilege. It's the drunk driving that's the privilege. <laughs> Only the licensee is required to take a breathalyzer. I have the right to drink and drive because I don't have a fucking license. <laughs>
2: Isn't
0: that fucking hilarious? Okay.
1: Tell him of Hyde, uh, yeah. telling you he's not going to suspend your license, your privilege.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, folks, of course, uh, Judge Stephen Hyde, uh, was denying my motions to dismiss my case because uh, Lloyd will tell you this after I explain this a little bit. Uh, the judges have all met in conspiracy to say, what do we do about guys like Kurt Reagan and Lloyd Smith and Louis Schilling and David Maryland? You know, these guys, their motions are right, their statutes are right, and well, fuck it. If we grant all their motions, the cops are going to get discouraged and they're going to go, what's going on here? Are these guys right? Are they wrong? The cops are going to get pissed. Okay, and they're going to stop writing tickets because once the cops realize that what they're doing is illegal, they're going to start writing tickets. If they do that, they'll all be out of a job. The jails will be empty. The jail bunks will be empty. The court clerks won't have a job. The prosecutors won't have a job. The judges won't have a judge. Okay, so what the judges are doing is they're putting on a front and lying in front of everybody. Your motion's denied, Mr. Ewing. I'm the judge. I decide the law. You know, you're not an attorney. You don't go to law school. You didn't know the law. Bullshit. Okay, I could out-debate any of these fuckers. I make them look silly in court. They make up lies. You know, they don't say anything. And I said, Well, Your Honor, you know, I went to the privilege, what Lloyd's saying, okay, and I laid out uh, Aberdeen versus Cole, specifically held that that license is synonymous with privilege. Since Gary Cole never had a license, he never had a privilege. Therefore, the state could not suspend what he did not have. And then Crossman versus Department of Licensing uh, also specifically held. The state has the power to suspend a license or permit to drive if the individual has one. However, if the individual does not have a license or permit to drive, the state cannot suspend what he does not have. Okay? And uh, uh, Judge Hyde said that I was correct, and and he looked at my driving record and found that I have a good driving record. Because of that, he's not going to suspend my, my privilege to drive. I said, Your Honor, I don't have a privilege because I don't have a license. And he smiled. He goes, Yes, Mr. Ewing, I'm not going to suspend your 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 license. I said, I don't have a license, sir, and I don't have a privilege. And he says, well, we have a civil judgment against you for $150 if you don't pay the fine. And I said, well, Your Honor, I'm going to be submitting a brief on that, a motion for reconsideration on that, uh, uh, based upon the fact that that's a bill of attainder. Okay. You've asked for a penalty beyond jurisdiction allowed by the statute and the court rule. The terms of the infraction, Your Honor, okay, the statute, 4663-110, refers to the terms of the notice of infraction. Okay, that's contract language, Your Honor. That's contract law. The first one here, Your Honor, the person who wants to avoid a court appearance, the suckers, this, this first term here is for the suckers who volunteer to pay the ticket. That's for the dummies who don't know any better. Number two, mitigating. Okay, Your Honor, this is also for the suckers, the people who are pleading guilty, you know, the sheeple who are pleading guilty, okay, uh, they're suckers. They're volunteering to pay, too. They just want it reduced. And three, I appeared for a contested hearing. I don't care if you ruled against me. There's nothing in the terms of this notice of infraction that says I have to pay you a dime. Okay? There's nothing here that says I have to pay. And you know what, Your Honor? I can't pay a debt with a debt. A Federal Reserve note is a debt instrument. Title 18, Section 8, of the United States Code, defines a Federal Reserve Note as being an obligation of the United States. Black Law Dictionary and Bobiase Law Dictionary says uh, obligations mean basically, Your Honor, evidence of debt issued. Title 31, United States Code, Section 3124, says obligations of the United States are not taxable by the state. And since you represent the state of Washington, you have no authority to enforce any kind of a tax, fine, fee, or penalty if it's an obligation in the United States. And this U.S. Supreme Court decision, Your Honor, in my money brief lays out that if you use Federal Reserve notes to compute the amount of the tax or the fine, that likewise is not taxable. And Judge Hyde is smiling. Well, you're you're right, Mr. Ewing. You have a nice day. <laughs> okay. Folks, it's almost over. Okay. Um, I'm going to crack the entire motor vehicle code. There's two things we're looking for. And Lloyd, uh, um... I'm, I'm going to look up a, another brief in a file, but if you could talk for a few minutes, uh, I don't, I don't have the details yet because I got to pull the case on it, folks. But Lloyd wants to explain this part about positive law and negative law and fundamental rights as, a, as in, 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 in relation to the driver's license and the right to travel versus when driving is a privilege. Can you explain that a little bit, Lloyd?
1: Yeah. Also, uh, uh, you want to tell them as you drove off from the courtroom, all the clerks are staring out the window at you. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, oh, yeah, and, and the judge was saying, well, Mr. Mr. Ewing, you know, the, the reason why it, that you're getting tickets is to encourage you to get a driver's license. I said, Your Honor, you can stop wasting your time because I'm never going to get a driver's license. And he goes, well, you're going to be getting tickets. I said, you know what, I guess then I'm going to have to start suing cops and suing the municipalities to make some money. And he got a big smile on the face. He goes, well, I'm all for making money. Well, I can see that, Your Honor. You're all for making money. <laughs> it has nothing to do with safety of people. You love seeing all those licensed drivers get into crashes. That just means more money for your insurance companies, don't it? <laughs> Folks, and, and did you know that the cappers, if you look at Walter Burian and the Comprehensive Annual Financial Reports, this is why the judges are putting pressures on you, uh, uh, the cops to give you no insurance tickets. All the no insurance tickets go straight into the judges' retirement funds. That's a fucking scam. That's bullshit. Lloyd, can you talk a little bit about that positive and negative law thing?
1: Yeah, when you get into rights defined by the Constitution and the original laws, uh, other constitutions like the Shampooey Constitution for Oregon Country is the precursor constitution for Washington and Oregon. And uh, uh, a fundamental right, I found a case that says is Not positive law, but it's negative law. And what the difference is, is positive law is a law created by the government with a protection of the right, whatever it created a right under that law for. And that's called a civil right. And civil rights have always been under military exigency. That's why we're in the trouble we're in now, because back in the mid-'80s, all the patriots were demanding their civil rights, along with Martin Luther King, they all got their civil rights because immediately they put up a gold fringe flag in the courtroom, United States flag. They took out the state flag and the regular United States flag went the ones that had it. And they now just have a, uh, United States gold fringe with an eagle and then a little tassel string, a gold string coming down off of it. That represents admiralty. And the eagle and the gold uh, fringe represents martial law, martial rule actually. But, uh, Wherever you have a fundamental right, the I found a case that lays out that that is a negative law, not positive law. And negative law is defined to mean a law where the government cannot act against you. So when you have specific rights laid out in the Constitution called our fundamental rights, then the government can't make any rulings or uh, pass any laws counter to that against you. In other words, they're restricted. They have no say over anything against you to do with a fundamental or negative law right versus a positive law right. So that's primarily the difference between a negative law and a positive law. And uh, a lot of people think, well, the positive laws are good for us. Well, no, they're not necessarily good because, again, uh, I don't have the case site, but Lewis has it. Uh, Eventually he can get it for you. It lays out that uh, uh, rights passed by the government, positive law, has always been under military exigency. In other words, uh, out of necessity, they can bring martial law in. Now, I found a case uh, recently, Lewis pulled a stack of cases on martial law. I found one of those cases that says uh, we are under martial rule, but the courts and the government can operate to the best of its ability to act like it's under regular law and regular rules and it can act under the best of its abilities to be what it is, but it's still under martial rule. And, uh, so, uh, since the civil war, the States lost the war to the United States, a private corporation and, uh, So we've been under martial law since the Civil War. They've never let up on it. And so you can prove that by going into court. The Sixth Amendment says you have the right to uh, handle your own case or with the assistance of counsel. Uh, You'll have a uh, statute that says the same thing. Generally, in Washington, it's Article 122 for criminal law that says you have the right to, to defend your own case or with the assistance of counsel does not say a word about having an attorney represent you. Now, there is a statute that does allow attorneys to come into play, but it's under the Code of Military Justice. Now, in Washington, that's RCW 38.38.376, and it lays out that when you hire a private attorney or you get one appointed by the government, that uh, that attorney becomes your counsel, and if you fire him, you waive your right to counsel. So that's why they always ask you when you're in court in a criminal case, uh, you know, do you want to be represented or do you want to represent yourself? And if you can't afford an attorney, we will appoint one for you. You see, and immediately you have an attorney comes in, and then if you read all the sections of the Code of Military Justice, you'll find attorneys come under that code. And, again, they become your counsel. And uh, so I always deny them appointing me a bar attorney. I tell them I'll accept counsel, and if that uh, you do appoint an attorney for me and he'll waive his right to his bar association and and uh, uh, be co-counsel, then I'll accept him. Otherwise, I will not accept the bar attorney uh, because of the Code of Military Justice to do with... Uh, attorneys. Now also under that code it says the judge shall have the attributes of an attorney under the statute and uh, is a judge advocate. And a judge advocate, of course, is the judge that you're dealing with for a special or general courts martial or a special hearing under uh, RCW 3838376. And every state will have that. And then under the United States Code It's uh, Title 10, Section 838, if I remember correctly. And it says basically the same thing, that uh, you have the right to uh, appointed a counsel or a private counsel or a private attorney, and the attorney shall become your counsel. And so that's how you get represented is under the Code of Military Justice. And if you go read those statutes, you will find that you can deny that, don't hire the person after he's appointed to you because then you waive your right to counsel. So you have to be very careful in those areas but for 25 years I've had a, an affidavit of non-military status I file into the court whenever a case comes against me and I've had a lot of cases dismissed and I've had others that I had to go in and fight and I'm in the battle right now with uh, one that's been refiled that got dismissed and, and then the prosecutor was under pressure from the ADIQO cop to why didn't why aren't you charging him? Why did you let him why did you guys dismiss? You know, this guy's badgering them so bad that the prosecutor refiled the case. So Lewis, are we still on?
2: Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're
0: on. Okay, so I had a big click just then. But anyway, yeah, uh, me and Kurt have the same problems. Our lines are tapped, you know, they're listening to what we're talking about on the phone, is what they're doing.
1: But anyway I have an ongoing case of a recharge that got dismissed for a suspended license and I do not have a driver record in the state of Washington uh, uh, I, don't, I don't remember all the statutes and rule numbers but there is a rule that they're required if they charge you with suspended license that you're required to they're required to put the driver's license number on the ticket they're also required to rely upon the Department of Licensing report. Well, I don't have a Department of Licensing report. When they put my name in, shows I have never had a license with Washington State. So they go to the outlying districts. Like seven or eight years ago, I got a ticket in Aberdeen. I did not have a suspended license because I did not have a license. And uh, I, you know, I told the judge I wasn't going to uh, put up with this kangaroo court tactics and. I walked out of court, so they put down that I failed to appear and failed to pay. And he suspended my driving privilege. Well, again, under the Cole case and other cases, it says that they can't suspend something that you do not have. And then I get stopped currently, and the officer can't find a DOL, uh, DOL report on me, so he'll go to the current jurisdiction, Aberdeen, that he's the cop for, and find a report there that I have a suspended license. So he relies upon that the case law says that the only reliable evidence as a a suspended license is a DOL report that says you are suspended so uh, if they use something else then you got to brief it out and you' know, file a brief in which I've had uh, uh, pneumonia for a couple of months so I've had a stay on going to court on this new charge and uh, when I go in I'll file briefs on all these issues and and demand that they dismiss and Probably, I've always got dismissals, and and uh, although uh, I was in the district court where Lewis is at, years ago, and the judge, who now is a superior court judge, he just got appointed to the superior court, he was the judge in the district court, Judge Brown, uh, when I was making my arguments, uh, and he says, Mr. Smith, you've almost swayed me with your arguments, but... I'm going to rule against you because we've had meetings and we've decided to let the appeals court sort it out. We're just going to rule against you, you kind of people. And the kind of people I am is the first thing that the cop says when I got stopped was, are you one of them constitutionalists? Like it's some kind of a dirty word. So yes, I'm one of them constitutionalists, whereas he is the one that should be a constitutionalist. But, uh, I was elected to an elected position once and I was drafted into the military and both of those times I had to swear to uphold the Constitution so I am a constitutionalist and even though I'm not in either of those positions now I still uphold the Constitution because that's where my fundamental rights start and uh, whereas they have no authority to say anything to me and I first thing I tell a cop is that I am not driving commercially you have any evidence showing I am? Well, no, they don't. So, well, no. Uh, I want to see your license, proof of insurance, and registration. License, and I can't come up with proof of insurance because I haven't had an accident, and I'm not required to get one. Get insurance at that time. And uh, but anyway, originally I got both those charges dismissed, but the cop was badgering the prosecutor so bad that they had to come back in. And the prosecutor borrowed the cop's ticket book and rewrote a ticket on a Aberdeen police officer's ticket book, which is absolutely unlawful. So he's pretending to be an officer when he is not. But
0: uh,
1: anyway, uh, Lewis, it's about quarter after seven, so
0: yeah, i wrap it up. I uh, Just wanted to comment. A couple of people wrote something on on the chat board. Just kind of scrolling through. Uh says, maybe Lewis doesn't know about the Hagar reclamation case. Okay, folks, I'm going to tell you something. There isn't hardly anybody in the United States that knows more about the money issue than Lloyd Smith, Kurt Reagan, and myself. Okay? Uh, I was telling people about the Hagar reclamation case probably 20-something years ago. In 1998, okay, uh, because of the arguments I made on the money arguments, uh uh that I, I learned another argument from Clyde Hyde, who used to be friends of Lloyd years ago. Clyde Hyde uh, uh, is uh, part of the group that they called, uh, what did they call us, Lloyd, the Washington 7 or the Washington 5 or something? They mentioned you, Clyde Hyde, Kurt Regan, Lewis Ewing, uh, um, uh, a few other people. The prosecutors call us the Washington 5 or something like that. Um, Clyde Hyde came up with an argument using the tender uh, a payment clause under our versions of the state UCC, RCW 62A, 3-603, subsection A and B. 1998, Judge Barbara Lindy in the King County District Court in Seattle. Mr. Ewing, I'm fighting a guilty of driving law suspended, the violation of RCW 46 Now, I've read your motion for informer papyrus. It's the best that I've ever read, but I'm going to deny that. And I've read your affidavit of agency. It's likewise very well written, but I'm going to deny that. Do you need anything to say before I pass final sentencing? And so I'm looking, folks. I'm looking down at my ticket. And I go, yeah, Your Honor. It says I was found guilty of driving while suspended, RCW 462342. I just want to hear you say it for the record. I want your judicial determination, Your Honor. Does the RCWs, the Revised Code of Washington, apply in your courtroom? She's looking at me like, what's this crazy fucker up to now? Yes, Mr. Ewing. And I go, Your Honor, I'm going to call your attention to RCW 84.04.060, which says money. Money should be held to mean gold and silver, gold and silver coins, gold and silver certificates. And, Your Honor, do you have an oath about of to uphold the state and federal constitutions?
1: Yes, Mr. Yee, I told you several times I got an
0: oath. And I go, oh, Your Honor, Article 1, Section 2 of the Washington State Constitution says that the constitutions are a supreme law of the land. Sections 29 and 30 says the constitutions, state and federal, are mandatory and binding upon all the courts of this state. And Article One, Section 10 of the U.S. Constitution, cited by Dennis versus Moses, our Washington State Supreme Court territorial decision, citing Woodruff versus Mississippi, which is the leading holding case of all the famous body of cases called the legal tender cases. Okay, it says no state shall make anything but gold and silver or tender of payment. And your Honor, RCW 62A 3-3-62A 3- 3-3, uh, uh, I can't even remember the numbers, folks. My my brain's just going numb. There's too many RCWs in my brain. Uh, 3-603, subsection A and B. Subsection A says if by tender payment, subsection B says if you dishonor my tender payment, that you have discharged the debt. My feeling, I'm tired of your nonsense. What is your tender payment? And I go, well, Your Honor, if you're willing to sign my contract here acknowledging that you're committing official misconduct, malfeasance of office, misfeasance of office, non of office, and perjury of your oath of office, I agree to pay the federal reserve notes. I whipped the money out of my pocket. I just got back from Alaska, Your Honor. I got plenty of money, and I waved it in her face in the courtroom. This is at 445, Your Honor. Okay, four 445, folks. Uh, okay, even though I was subpoenaed to appear at 9 o'clock in the morning, the, these assholes make me sit there all day. They make Lloyd sit there all day. They make Kurt sit there all day. We have to sit there and listen all day long to this fucking bullshit you know the sheep crying, asking the judges to lower their tickets. You know, which is all bullshit. They're scamming people out of their money. They're picking on poor people. They're oppressing poor people. Fortunately for me, they thought the courtroom was empty. Quarter to five, three guys slipped into court late to court. Were sitting behind me, and they were listening. And and the judge and the judge said, "Mr. May I see your contract." They go, "Your Honor, man, approach the bench and give you a copy." He goes. Yes, Mr. Ewing. So I go up and give her a copy of it. Her eyeballs pop out of her head. Okay. Her jaw hits the floor. And she goes, Mr. Ewing, I'm not going to sign your contract, and I'm not going to fine you anything either. I'm going to discharge the $1,000 fine. What was really funny, folks, is the guy behind me, Well, you said, Your Honor, I don't got the money either. She slammed her gavel, dismissed the three guys' tickets behind me, and she ran out of the fucking courtroom. That year, former governor of the state, uh, uh, Lowry, okay, Uh, Governor Lowry convened an emergency special session of the legislature in 1998 to change the legal definition of money. Let me tell you how stupid these fuckers are. They're so fucking stupid, they outsmarted themselves. R.C.W. 84.04.060. Look it up, folks. It now says "Money, money shall be held to mean coin and paper money issued by the United States government. That's fucking hilarious. Guess what? The coin and paper money is not issued by the United States government. It's not issued by our United States Treasury. It's issued by the Federal Reserve, a private corporation that's no more federal than Federal Express. So guess what? By statute, the legislature now made it impossible to pay a ticket because we have no coin and paper money that's issued by the United States government. The coin and paper money is issued by the Federal Reserve. Okay? Uh, Folks, Hagar estimates it's a good case. Okay? Uh, But on previous talk shoes a year and a half ago, I read that case and many, many other money cases. So when I build up an audience here again, when I get like 100 people like I've had before in the past, a year and a half ago, I will do a special pro se winner's broadcast, and I will give you more money case sites with the exact perfect quotes that you've never heard of before. Hager. Reclamation, that's something that every patriot knows, okay? You're preaching to the choir on this, folks, okay? Uh, Hagar, Reclamation Clips, uh, probably one of the first place I've seen it was published either by Johnny Liberty out of Oregon, the Behold Group out of Oregon, uh, Also, uh, the guy in Idaho, the Barristers uh, Barristers Inn, the guy Gordon somebody, I forget his name, George Gordon, he published a a newspaper called the Barristers Inn. I've also seen it in the America's Bullet magazine printed by Robert Kelly in Oregon. That same site has also been printed in the Spotlight magazine. You know, all these beginner patriots saying, Lewis doesn't know this, Lewis is keeping the secret. You know, I've only got an hour or two on his talk show, and tonight was about Dragon while suspended. So, folks, don't assume what I don't know or don't know, okay? Lloyd Smith and Kurt Reagan and I are so far ahead of the curve of all the patriots in the nation, okay? You guys just have no clue, okay? Lloyd Smith is the one and only man in the entire United States to beat the IRS in two separate attempted criminal grand jury indictments. Lloyd Smith has removed over $9 million in federal tax liens from the IRS, okay? In in 2004, Kurt Regan and I won the largest marijuana multiple felony count prosecution for growing marijuana. Kurt had 166 pot plants, all over six feet tall, the best purple bud you'd ever smoked in your life. We kicked the Snomish County Superior Court's ass, okay? The case was dismissed with prejudice on the prosecutor's motion. That's right. They were so embarrassed that we kicked their ass so bad they didn't want to acknowledge our motion kicked their ass so the prosecutor threw in his own motion okay they threw up they threw in the white flag we give up we surrender the prosecutors pushed out and threw in their own fucking motion to dismiss and they granted their own motion to dismiss the case is unpublished it was ordered to be unpublished and it's ordered to be sealed okay so you can't get copies of my brief unless you pay me a lot of money for it okay i make my living undercutting attorneys the patriots get mad, Who's charges money. Well, guess what? This is what I do for a living. This is not my fucking hobby like all the weekend warrior patriots or patriots and sovereign citizen morons out there, okay? I've taken paralegal courses, okay? Uh, I've been making my living as a legal writer for the last 16 to 18 years, okay? This is what I do for a living. I make my living undercutting attorneys, so, you know... My only sales pitch I give to people out there is that dollar for dollar, page for page. You're going to get a lot more and a lot better legal writing out of me than you will from any attorney or any law firm. And I don't care what state you're in. Okay? I win cases everywhere. I'll send you a list of testimonials if you send me an email. Uh, I want a $70,000 L&I decision in the state of Kansas. Okay, a guy called me up and said, You ever done an and I case in Kansas? I said, No, I've done traffic tickets and drug possession charges in Kansas, but not in an L and I case, but I've done lots of L and I cases in Washington. It's no big deal. Just send me the money, uh, I'll do the research, I'll tell you what I'm gonna charge you after do some research and tell you what your options are. You know? So the guy ended up hiring me and I beat a seventy thousand dollar L and I decision without ever setting foot in a Kansas courtroom. Okay? That's how good of a legal writer I am. I can write briefs. And I don't go to court and have to represent you. And that's what's pissing the bar associations off. I'm quote practicing law. How can I be practicing law when I'm doing paralegal work? The, the, these bar idiots are so stupid they don't they would like I said, they wouldn't know the law if you hit them in the head with a law book. They lie, they cheat, and they steal. That's the only way they can win. They can't beat me fair and square. Okay? The only way they could beat me is to lie, cheat, and steal. Okay? But if you get an honest judge, who looks at the motions that I write, and he says, this motion is correct, I'm going to grant it, hey, you know, it does happen, okay? The same state, Kansas, a few years ago, for a guy named Don Weber, I forced a judge to overturn a jury conviction for Don Weber in the state of Kansas, okay? You folks send me an email, I'll send you the case numbers, you can look it up. I give out the case numbers, there's no bullshit, okay? I'm the real deal, okay? This guy, Don Weber, Was charged with felony aggravated battery assault of a police officer. I told him, I said, tell the truth. Tell him, yeah, that you did kick the cop in the face with cowboy boots on.
2: Oh, no, I can't
0: do that. I said, no, you're going to do what I tell you to do. Honesty is the best policy. You will win in the end. I will see to it that the truth comes out. The guy was scared shitless. He did what I told him. He goes, yeah, I kicked the cop in the face. So what? It was self defense. That's right, folks. You have the common law right to plead self-defense. Okay? Uh, this guy kicked the cop in the face with cowboy boots on, gave the cop the worst black guy he would ever seen in your life. Okay? It took the jury all of about 10 minutes to find this guy guilty of felony, aggravated battery assault of a police officer. I forced the judge to overturn a jury conviction for this. This guy was looking at 10 years. Okay? I proved the cop lied at trial by comparing... Certified copies of his transcripts of his testimony compared to the police report, which he signed under the penalty of perjury. Numerous things that he stated on the record was completely opposite of what he signed a document under the penalty of perjury that I got him to testify under oath. that Everything he wrote in this police report was true. (laughs) Okay. We can kick their ass. Okay. And this is what the bar doesn't like. They want a monopoly over the court system. Okay? Lloyd well, told you the truth. You know, I'm the worst salesman in the world. I'm going to tell you up front. It's not easy. It's a battle. The judge will deny the motions. And you're going to have to pay for an appeal the same as what you did in an attorney. Well, that's discouraging. Well, guess what? The whole court system is discouraging. That's the way it is. Okay? You can hire the best attorney in town. And you say, oh, I'm not going to hire these guys. The judge can deny the motion. I might as well hire his attorney. That's what they want you to do. They want to scare you into submission. They want you to cower and stay the sheeple slaves that you are. Okay? So you know what? You have to fight this on principle. You have to say, fuck it. I'm going to hire these guys because they're going to try to win. They're going to work their ass off, and they're going to at least try to win. The attorneys ain't even fucking trying. And you know what? Even if the attorney pretends like he's putting on a fight, I'm telling you, the attorneys are losing on purpose. The attorneys are milking the cow on purpose. I don't care if you hire the best attorney in the state. The judge can deny the attorney's motion, too. And guess what? They do it all the time on purpose. Why do you think you have a court of appeals? Why do you think you have a Supreme Court? It's so that the attorneys can milk the cow. The judge denies the motion. Now you have to appeal it. Now you have to pay the attorney more for an appeal. This is what's boasted about the whole court system in the first place. We should be able to go in there and say, uh, sorry, Your Honor, here's my motion dismissed. It's a one-page document, Aberdeen versus Cole, license is not and privilege. The state cannot suspend what I don't have. You can't charge me to drive while suspended. It's violation of Article One, Section 14 of the State Constitution the Excessive Penalties Clause. Okay, you're, Mr. Ewing, you're correct. Uh, you cited the law correctly. Boom, that's it. This case dismissed. Out of here. You think I could do that? You should be able to do it. Well, Mr. Ewing, you're not an attorney. You're not a member of the bar. You just don't understand. Now, you send an attorney with a bar card, and he makes the same argument, and all of a sudden, the judge grants the motion. Oh, why is that? Oh, because he has a bar card. Well, see, Mr. Ewing, you don't understand. The attorney presented it differently than you. Bullshit. He cited the same fucking case. Aberdeen versus Cole, same thing. Well, Mr. Ewing, you just don't understand because you're not an attorney. Okay, do you see the bullshit yet, folks? Everything I write came from the attorneys. Every case site that I cited was a case that was written and decided by an attorney who hired a paralegal. And actually, the paralegals are doing 90% of the work. Most of the attorneys are incompetent, don't know the law. They get to court late. They pull out the wrong file. They start reading motions for the wrong case for the wrong client. They don't even know what the fuck they're doing when they get to court. They can't quote case law like I can because they don't even read law. Okay, you ask any attorney, I guarantee you, what did you learn in law school? You're going to hear three answers, and you're going to hear it in this order. Number one, they learned how to debate. Number two, they learned how to run a business. And number three, they learned how to arbitrate and negotiate. That's called mandatory binding arbitration. Then I asked them, well, when did you learn to write research and write motions to dismiss a case? And they go, oh, not until after I graduated from law school and went to work for the law firm as a paralegal. I go, so you're telling me you went to a college or university for four years, and then you went to four years of graduate school, and now that you own the, the, the college university is over $200,000 in student loans, and you didn't learn how to write a fucking brief until you went to work as a paralegal for the law firm, what the fuck did you go to, to uh, law school for? Well, the chase girls at the sorority house, and I'm stupid, and I wanted to pay. I wanted to be in debt, hundred and fifty to two hundred thousand dollars in student loans, and that's why attorneys have to charge money. We have to pay off all these student loans. You could have not wasted your time doing that, folks. You could have sent your kids to take a paralegal school while they were in high school, even, and they could have got a job as a paralegal upon graduating from high school, and they'd be eight years ahead of the attorney. That's what the judges don't want you to know. But anyway, folks, it's 7.30, The show's over. Uh, I posted Lloyd's email, godspastor at gmail.com, Kurt Riggan at comcast.net, Jeff Smith at highsierra, four sevens at hushmail.com, or restoreusa at earthlink.net. Harold Beale is at the non guru network at gmail.com, and Matt from Michigan is matt.from.michigan at gmail.com. If you want a copy of the chat notes, you go to the chat grabber. Type in the caller ID number 120418, or you can click on the link I posted on the board, which is HTTP, the double dot thing, two forward slashes, com, forward slash, and type in the caller ID number 120418. Anyway, folks, next week we're going to go over more of my jury instructions. Um, uh, uh, or instructions to the bench that the court cannot suspend a license or privilege to drive unless you have a license. And equal protection of the law, that the, the court is required to give a lesser included offense instruction to the court or to the jury if it's applicable, where they will not be able to charge anybody who drive suspend suspended if they do not have a driver's license. Um, that's what we're going to go over this next Saturday. So the show is over, folks. We'll see you next Saturday night, 5 to 7 p.m. Good night. night, Lloyd